What's going on, Asymmetry? Before we get you over to that podcast, I have a quick request that I would like to make of you. We need your help. On our next Mariah in the Wild project, we are headed to Italy to document the Puglian olives, the Roman olives planted 3,000 years ago that have given rise to such a tremendous and profound culture. But these trees are facing a major, major obstacle. The pathogen of xylella is eradicating them at a rapid pace. And before they're gone, we want to make sure that we talk with historians and horticulturalists to understand not only the disease that is eradicating the olives, but understand their profound impact on culture, understand their aesthetic, and pursue a project that preserves their contributions to bonsai in the form of film. Now, we've partnered with a wonderful nonprofit called the Treehouse Project. All of your contributions are completely directed towards portions of the project so you can see where your money is being utilized to help us capture this ancient forest. Any dollar amount helps and every single contribution is completely tax deductible. Visit bonsaimarai.com to see our Give Lively campaign where you can decide where you want to contribute to this project to help us make it happen. Thank you in advance for all of your support. I think we all understand how significant this project has become, and we only hope to do it more and more with your help. What's up, Asymmetry? Boy, we had quite the adventure with Tom Benda, Andrew Pearson, and Thorhol Villa, who make up the Triscoli Potters Collective, a group of incredibly talented Western bonsai ceramicists that have elevated the game and have come together in collaboration to explore what happens when three different ceramicists from three entirely different backgrounds executing their work with three different approaches can create when they influence each other. We are the fourth installment of the Triscoli group and the fact that they came to Mirai to do an artist in residency and experience the North American landscape in all of its glory was an opportunity that I think will probably alter our approach to bonsai moving forward at Mirai. It was a very powerful experience. And we had the opportunity to sit down with these gentlemen during a Mirai live session and really discuss ceramics on the level that I think everybody pursuing or interested in the ceramic vessel from the bonsai perspective would want to hear. They talk about their inspirations, their approaches, uh, their feelings about shape, glaze, and where the ideas and inspiration for their work come from. A fascinating discussion to be able to uh, listen to the minds of these ceramicists. You can also watch this on the library at live.bonetimerai.com. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Tom Benda, Andrew Pearson, a.k.a. Stone Monkey, and Thorhol Villa, everybody. What's going on, everybody? Super Tuesday in the house. Very, very special evening tonight. And we're super excited to have Tor Hovilla, Andy Pearson, a.k.a. Stone Monkey, and Tom Benda in the house with us live. The Triscoli Collective, we've been working on, uh, I shouldn't say we, they have been working very, very diligently on a very serious collection of ceramics at Mirai. We just got back from a bonsai binge fest in the White Mountains to see the bristle cones. We got a little bit of Sierra love, and uh, we ended up in Yosemite uh, dramatically overextending our physical selves on uh, a hike that none of us bargained for, but we saw it through to the end. Thank God we made it. Basically, you know, I've had the pleasure of watching you guys 
work over the past, uh, what, five, six days? Mm-hmm. You know, excluding yeah, our trip. Yeah. 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 And, um, and there are a tremendous number of shapes down in the workshop. And, you know, entering the, the, the endeavor of creating a bonsai ceramic, how do you decide what shape you're going to make? And, um, you know, like, where, where does that process begin in terms of the form? And I, and I, I know, Andy, you throw yeah, yeah. Primarily. yeah, primarily. What does that look like for you when you start that process? Um, I mean, for, for, the, for the collection that we're doing at the moment, I've sort of got in mind that I'm going to start on the wheel and, and just throw a basic round form. Um, and then sort of, I suppose a lot of, you know, we, we had a good walk around the garden when we first arrived, had a look and see what was around us and just sort of get that instant inspiration to perhaps inject some of that into the, into the work. And I think the more you make, it evolves from there. So you're, you're, you might make the first pot and then whilst the first pot's being made, I've already got my mind on, on the second pot oh, interesting. That, 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 that I've got in, you know, that I want, I want to sort of progress with. So it's sort of a, an, an evolution from that first pot that we made when we first arrived. And from today, working uh, with, with, with my two guys here, or the two brothers here, um, there's a distinct difference between what we made before we went on the trip and after what we made on the trip. Mm. Um, and I think in that, that having the influence of the environment, what we experienced and where we went um, is definitely evident in the, in the pots that we started making sort of yesterday and carried on making today. Yeah. Mm. And Thor, you started making, or I've noticed a significant number of rectangles. I'm not sure how many, Tom, you've made or, and how many you've made, Tor, but re- rectangles, it feels to me like rectangles are seem to be a more challenging form to make, but definitely complement the function in bonsai well. What guides that process for you? Um, usually back home, I work with, I try to have a selection of pots. So I have sort of all sizes and, uh, and uh, uh, shapes. That's what I do. So because I, I want some rule to, to, um, to guide what I'm working on. So, so uh, the limitation of, okay, I'm going to do a rectangle, it's going to be 12 inch. Then I start from there. And I kind of like that, that I have something to start with. Then I, under the evolution of the pot, I don't know how the, how, what kind of angle the, 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 the walls are going to be or anything like that. I'm just going to feel the clay. And if the clay is a little bit too dry, it's going to be a little bit more closed up. And if it's, if it's wetter, since I work with wet clay, uh, sort of. Follows, follows, follow the process of what, the, what your fingers are doing. It's almost like I'm disconnected a little bit from, the, from it all. Mm. And then after a while, you start to you, you take, a, you take a, walk back, a step back and you look at it and you go like, ah, there's a line there. Ah, oh, okay. And then the feet's going to be, ah, mm, yeah. And it's just, it's just in there. It's not like I'm, I don't have a profile or anything. It's, in my process, it's just straight from the... From the but are you sitting down to make a rectangle? I always stand. Oh, okay, yeah. so are, are you? But are you starting with the intention of making a rectangle? Yeah, yeah. And what? What? Why do you want to make a rectangle? Why not a square? Why not a round? Why not an oval? Why do you want to make a rectangle? Usually, it's like making a round pot is great, and, and all shapes are great. But making several in a row for me is a little bit kill, is killing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe on if I'm during the process, find out that ah yeah, I wanna I wanna do a different one, then I continue doing that, but. Otherwise, it's just to keep the, you know, challenge going, and, and it's different because you have to you have all these joints in a rectangle that is there's a bit of work, you know, and uh, so it's good just to or pinch a little accent part in between, 
mm. sort of. Break yeah. it up. Yeah. Then Tom, you were nodding. And when, when Zora was saying, you know, it, it doing several shapes uh, of the same thing in a row kind of kills it. You feel that too? Yeah. <clears throat> Other, <clears throat> uh, yeah, usually it just kills me the, if I'm repeating myself a lot. But sometimes I have uh, ideas like I want to make a big series. For example, now I'm thinking about having series of uh, same pots that will be uh, like presented together or they will be used for a group planting but it will be separated different pots different heights different lengths and everything uh, that's maybe the only series that i'm really willing to make now mm -hmm. otherwise i decide every morning it depends if i have some new design in my mind or uh, some very fresh design that i've already made but i want to practice it find the right balance in the proportions and everything. Or it depends also uh, on the whole attitude to the firing. Like I'm loading the kiln, basically it's all built around the biggest pot. So I need to fill the kiln. And uh, if I feel like I want to speed up a bit, I make a bit simpler pot. For example, a very simple rectangular. Uh, Maybe every day the decision is based on something different. Oh, I, I really have okay. no uh, structure in it. Yeah. The structure is that uh, every period, uh, every kiln period, as I call it, uh, I start with the biggest pots because they dry the longest time. Mm. And uh, then I just make smaller and smaller dimensions. But the designs is that's just up to my taste. I think yeah. it's a really what good I really want to do that day. I think it's a really good point that you said that um, we've all got kilns that we fill as well. Yeah. So you, you've got a tendency, right, okay, today I'm going to do rectangles, but then there may be a small area that you left in your kiln that you want, perhaps want to, might want to throw a small pot or make an accent. So that it's more of a, of, of a productive firing so that your kiln is full to capacity yeah. rather than just having a pot on four shelves. You can have, you know, if I can get a round one here or a rectangle or a hexagon over there, then you'll sort of make to fill that specific spot in the kiln. So it's almost a matter of function. Because I mean, I, I think about it obviously from the perspective of a bonsai practitioner, which which you guys have or do do bonsai as well. Like when you have a, a tree, you have the limitations. So I can't just go walk up to a tree and say, I want this to look like a preconceived image. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, from the perspective of a bonsai practitioner, a block of clay seems to be the most malleable thing mm -hmm. And so yeah. I am always curious, like, how did mm -hmm. you decide, you know, commissions aside, yeah. nobody's mm -hmm. guiding your process. Mm -hmm. You walk into your studio, how do you decide what shape to make? Where does that even come from? That's, that's really, yeah. and yeah. I have my themes. I work under a theme every month. So I have this as a guideline somewhere. This is going to be glazed. It's going to be bright colors. And then I, I want some surface for the, for the glaze to appear, I choose clay from, depending on what, what clays I will use and so forth. So, and there, sometimes it's a sculptured theme and then you just, so this is the limitation I have is in my theme. And if all of a sudden a putt comes out different, it goes on the side to, to come in another edition in the future. I don't, I don't go by kiln at all, actually. I just make them and, and then I just, it seems always to fill up, yeah. Well, I always, I, I think that you're, I think the theme, you know, I think about, uh, you did Meadows, um, 
you did the castle theme. Mm. Yeah, those two really stood out to me. You did a very spring theme, bright colored. You did a blue and green theme. Um, and, and that really made sense to me because that alone seemed to set like a trajectory for your body of work for yeah. that month. And in that, even seeing that, it just felt so relatable for me as, uh, as somebody who admires your work and, and tries to acquire pieces that I want to work with, you know, but like Andy, with your body of work, you have this beautiful unglazed red clay body and we'll come back to glaze versus yeah. unglazed, but you know, you make geometric shapes and then you'll make uh, a round and then you'll have these accents. Like how, how, what's, how do you decide which one to do? I think, I, I don't, but well, these guys are just sort of going to the, the, the studio and think, okay, I'm going to, I suppose there is a sub theme there, but not, not conscious like Thor is. Yeah. Thor's going to go with this theme and go down that road. I may think, well, okay, I'm going to work with some, some sculpted cherry blossom and some mishikuri uh, uh, this time. Haven't done it for a while, uh -huh. but then that will, there'll be a round, there'll be hexagonal, there'll be um, rectangle plots. There is no rhyme or reason, to be honest with you. I can't sort of give you an answer to say, right, you know, I'm, I'm just going to make rectangles today. It's just, if there's nothing on the order books mm -hmm. um, and there's nothing that needs to be done, it's really whatever takes your fancy. You usually start off on the wheel, though, because it's, it's, you can sort of get into your groove mm -hmm. a little bit. If you're not sort of, you haven't done anything for a while or you've been out doing things with the family, just lump of clay on the wheel, throw it, and just sort of see where it goes. Right, throw a couple of them, then I'll start slab making some slabs while that's drying, start putting a hexagon together. So there's, it's... I know Thor's got a tendency to work on sort of one pot at a time, really. Yeah, I found I found a way of uh, I I create the pots the first day and just let them build up the body, and the second day I look at them and then I start to work on on details and feet, and and the third day is is refining mm -hmm. and then polishing the fourth day. Mm -hmm. So really, in answer yeah. to your question, I, yeah. there is unless I sort of wake up and think, ah, oh, today I'm going to do nanbans or today I'm going to do whatever mm. it, it's whatever takes your fancy yeah really yeah. Is. interesting god that, really that sounds is. so fun to not have <laughs> any responsibility it, it sounds it sounds like what every like high schooler would dream yeah. of like i'm gonna go into the studio and <laughs> we're gonna see what happens today <laughs> you know like, like yeah. that sounds yeah, outrageous like that. but but we, but we followed your process tom i think like more than anybody's because we had the unboxing of your work while you're here you walked us through it you talked about your architectural influences Every time you make a new body for a firing, and particularly because you're committed to the wood firing, do you have a theme or do you have new designs? How do you make, how do you pull in old designs? Like, how do you decide on what you're going to make? It, yeah, again, it depends on so many things, but basically it's what I said. It depends uh, if I have the new and I always have some new You designs. always have something new. <laughs> An evolution of a design, a new concept yeah. you're going to start pushing the boundaries of. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's just the guideline. Or if I really don't know what to do, then I'm very happy to repeat some of the older designs. Because some of them uh, have been produced in just three or five pieces. Different right. shapes, uh, I mean, uh, proportions and dimensions. And uh, I'm missing the same design, but pushed to a very low uh, dimension, uh, low uh, proportion for it's uh, it's whatever I uh, I can make up some Amazing. ideas how to how how I decide. But 
I also have to keep in mind, uh, back in my mind, uh, the lowering of the kiln again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because wood firing uh, is about perfectly, properly loaded uh, kiln. When you leave some gap, the fire always finds the shortest way and it just ruins the whole process. Oh, interesting. You can, yeah. you can just lose all the pots in mm. the kiln if you don't load it properly. So we've been talking a lot that, about wood firing. That, <laughs> when I decide about the sizes, like, okay, I need some 15 centimeters, some few of these 10 to fill the gaps, or uh, I have uh, some last shelf for maximum 10 centimeter high pot. So I go for it. <laughs> if I have nothing in my mind, like what I can fill the whole, that whole shelf up to 10 centimeters, Let's make a big rectangular. Uh-huh. Is this where your is this where your more standard pots come from, trying to occupy space, would you say? Uh, yeah. As well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, it's super free form. So mm -hmm. Ira's giving me baseball signals, you know, like <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't taking a big enough lead and we wanted him to try to steal third on this next pitch. Yeah, that's right. That's For anybody right. who's uh listening on or watching rather on YouTube or on Facebook, we always want to remind everybody that if you want to get to live.bonesamurai.com, um you can go and uh, sign up for a free trial and ask questions with the rest of our uh, members tonight. We do have a few great questions already. Uh just a reminder, we're trying to sort of categorize the questions. We have a little miscellaneous category that's building a lot of traction as people have been uh, asking a lot of great questions. But uh, in the glazed versus unglazed category uh, and kind of guidepost, uh, Leonard had asked, has anyone tried custom clay mixtures and what surprise results have ensued from that? Uh, glazed, we'll come back to glazed versus unglazed, but let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about clay mixtures. I mean, just in terms of, do you guys customize your clay? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, just uh -huh. to, I've just done, um, I started throwing in black porcelain and it, it, it comes out like a very satin matte colour, which wasn't too keen on. So I just wedged 50-50 of uh, grogged white stoneware that I use with the black porcelain to mm. get this, trying to find this sort of mid, mid sort of smoky grey colour. And it's sort of getting there. So a bit more playing to do with, but yeah. Yeah, mixing's good. What, what does playing look like when ceram ceramicists talk about playing all the time? playing yeah you know are you making 20 pieces and that's playing are you making two and that's playing like wh what is that what is playing um so i mean yeah the playing with the black porcelain i just i think i made about 10 pots okay um and yeah the ones that i don't like will just go to one side as, as reminders of not what to do or or don't go to that area again but playing is literally that is it you're uh -huh. just messing around with clay yeah. just mixing mm -hmm. things together but yeah yeah. Well, and, 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 and sometimes you'll come up with a, you know, you put something together, try and take notes every time you do it, but then you'll come up with something completely different. You think, yeah, that really works. That's a that's a winner, and, and concentrate on 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 making pots in that particular clay mix. And you guys, you guys wanted a groggier clay. The first clay mm. that we started with in this project was it was a very fine clay. Yeah. You wanted a groggier clay. Tor, you talk a lot about choosing your clay for the different fields. Are you mixing clay? Are you customizing your clay? Or are you using a stock clay? I use uh, stock clay. I have, uh, um, he's very close to me and he's, he's an importer of clay. So I do all his samples for him. So I get to know, uh, he has about 65 different clays now. So I felt wow. them all and I, I tried them all and I found my four favorites. And I stick to that because... 
I don't want uh, the risk of, of, of uh, failing in, in the last minute because I choose, try, wanted to try a new red when I have a red that I'm, I'm familiar with and comfortable with. So you're not mixing those, you're not changing the chemistry of it, you're just taking that clay that he's providing, you know how to work with it, you know what to expect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so and then I choose clay depending on, like, like I said uh, earlier, depending on what I want to glaze it with or if it's going to be unglazed, but right. I have... I found my clays, I'm sticking to them, just as, yeah. as my glaze recipes is. I mean, for me, it's, it's a safe, that's the safety I have. But I, what I do is I use all the scraps, everything I, I, I sort of, you know, like most ceramics do, I recycle it, and then you come up with different mixtures of those clays that I have been working with. Oh, so everything I hollow out, all the I save everything in a bucket, and then I fill it up, let it dry, fill it up with water, and work it up again. Boom, 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 and then you have a more, more of a millerad, more of a, a mud, a mud. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now, but and Tom, you've introduced new clays since you and I have been working together. But you're like really fine grained clay uh, that gives you that beautiful like burnt brown reddish. You know, the one that Frank is yeah. uh, like, is that your clay? Is that a clay that you, uh, that's pre-mixed? Do you make your own clay? Uh, I used to do, but not this particular clay that you, you were mentioning. Uh, I'm happy to find this one because after all the problems I had uh, with clay in the beginning, when I had to blend it, you know, that I, w I was really struggling to find a good, unglazed red brown clay for years there, there was one but uh, and it was supposed to be very fine in content but it never was um, so i tried uh, to mix it with another clay and uh, i found some good ratio uh, mixing them but it took took me whole day to prepare like 20, 30 kilograms, and for another two or three days I couldn't work because I had to do it all with my hands. Yeah. I, I couldn't afford buying the blending machine. I even don't have enough space for that machine, even though I could buy it now. Yeah. Hopefully with the new studio and the new property now. Uh, but later, uh, this particular clay that I had to improve the producer also improved it himself somehow now it works really well the quality is a bit fluctuating but then uh, the other clays the big frank is built of built from uh, this that's a german company we mm. get and uh, they just celebrated 200 years nice. anniversary of <laughs> they production. know what they're doing so they're no, they it, know what it, they're doing. it mm. gives me good feelings like reliability i have it uh, all the years i use uh, their clays but uh, seeing this just imprinted to the bowl of clay this 200 years anniversary that made me feel like ah, i can really rely on their right quality now. right do you guys trade clays do you share clays we have is it is it illegal to take on somebody else's <laughs> clay like hey tom that's a nice clay and then you go buy it and make pots out of it is that frowned upon no, um, when we met up at the trophy show one year, I bought um, two bags of my red clay and gave it to these guys. Tom gave me some of his clay. Uh -huh. We swapped around and, and just played with each other's clay to see, because obviously when you're, you're, you're glazing a pot, um, 
the glaze reacts differently to the clay body that's actually on. So it's nice to see your sort of standard glaze palette or the glaze palette that you use on a on a different clay body and see what it comes out Interesting. like. It's, uh, it's not also, proprietary then? No. No? You don't try to keep it a secret? No. None of them? Especially not in between. Well, yeah, but you guys are different, right? You're, yeah, all, yeah. you're all friends here. Yeah. You're not yeah. sharing clay with everybody, or, or, or are you? We might in not. Fact, <laughs> we might not, yeah, yeah. We might just keep it in this little group. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean the, the Stone Monkey Red is, is, is pretty iconic. Yeah. It, and that is a commercial glaze uh -huh. that's only supposed to be fired to around about 1180. But I sort of pushed it up to 1260, and it stayed. It didn't bloat. Mm. And it just went this lovely deep red colour, mm. and I just stuck with it. And I knew that I'd sort of hit on something that was pretty special. Yeah. To be honest with you. Interesting. What else we got? Well, while you're talking about the different clays, could you talk a little bit about grog and what that what that means for everybody and how that yeah, sure. impacted your choices or what what containers you'd make? Uh, basically, grog is there to allow you building larger pieces. That mm. that's the basic thing. Of course, it has some uh, aesthetic effects on the quality of uh, the surface if you go for unglazed but uh, yeah these are the two topics but what, what is grog around. what is grog is grog aggregate is it is it like stone is it sand is it what is it it's just pre-fired clay pre-fired clay yeah it's pre-fired grog is pre-fired clay mm -hmm. interesting yeah, so so it is a stone to a degree yeah it's clay yeah, yeah it becomes a mineral and yeah yeah, but uh, the Czech producer that I had the little problems with the clay, uh, I know that he uses different types of grog and some of it is like natural minerals. Ah, so, right, but, right, but, right, but I know right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. the other clay that I use for the largest forest pots that mm. I make, uh, the grog in it is their own clay yeah. fired and crushed. Mm. Wow. To but then, then it's graded as well. It's uh -huh. graded in, in different types of clay. You might yeah. get a fine grog, a medium, a rough. And I saw you just quite a rough growing uh, Yeah, I like parts, it, like them rough because uh, I like all of a sudden you, you, you bump into a, a, a little pebble, is it called? Yeah. yeah. And it goes, you know, leave a trace on, 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 the, on the surface and oh, ah, it's, you have a lot of accidents with that. And also, since I build everything with soft clay, I don't roll slabs and let them dry. I, I roll them and start building immediately. So I'm sort of, I want to grow your clay so I can go high and keep the shape together and, and also my feeling is it dries a little bit faster as well. So mm. yeah, which work yeah. well with everything yeah, is also about tempo. That's an important thing. This is one of the things I think maybe the most important thing I learned in Japan by working with Shuho was watching his tempo and how he just went forward with all the the process. Many of us potters we sit we sit with a with a lamp and we're working with for ages on a piece, you know, until we're happy. And, and the, I mean, that's fine. But uh, for me, I work quite fast and I thought that, that you know, uh, yeah, it, it, I need different tools. I need different, I have a different drying stages. Everything is different from mm. my brother's here. So Shuho really confirmed that, that in Tokonama, they work fast. So, uh, so it's sort of, the podcast that we did at the trophy, yeah. uh, if, you, if you haven't heard it, take a listen because Tor spent time in, uh, in Tokoname studying sort of the Japanese methodology and you've broken down the Japanese process of bonsai ceramic, at least what you experienced with Shuho. You broke it down more succinctly and sort of quantified the, the approach to that 
ceramic process in Japan in a way that I had, I, I, I was, it, I was completely blown away. Oh, I had no idea, no idea. You know, okay. being a bonsai yeah. practitioner, even an apprentice to Mr. Kimura in Japan, Mr. Kimura doesn't have that knowledge of the no. ceramic process. It's just not, it's not there. So I would encourage anybody to take a listen to that. What else we got, Ira? So talking a little bit more about the proportions and sizes, um, could you discuss, uh, David had asked, what are the requirements to successfully make larger pots, like 20 inches or bigger? And is that part of the, the grog conversation that you guys are talking about too? Yeah, for sure. No, for these sizes, you have to go for some grog clay. My, my favorite uh, clays have usually very fine grog, just a quarter millimeter, but up to 40% uh, Body. So you can do a fine grog and a higher percentage yeah. to achieve the stability. Can you do a coarse grog and a low percentage and achieve that same stability, or is that not how it works? Yeah, it could be yeah. like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so you have two different factors in grog. You've got the size. fineness of the grog and the percentage of that grog that's in the clay. And the size. And you can, yeah, so, yeah, you, yeah. so you got the size and then you've got the percentage, and you can play with those things yeah. proportionally. Yes, yeah. and depends on the finish you want to achieve as well. So if you want, if you want to achieve a fine finish like Tom and I do on, on, on the young glaze pots, then it's a fine grog in, I think the one I use about 50% proportion. Mm -hmm. But then if Thor wanted a grog pot, but he wanted a rough textured finish, he'd go for, he could still go for the same percentage or perhaps higher, but in a larger particle. Mm -hmm. to be able mm -hmm. to give that rustic or more sort of rough look. Yeah. Interesting, <laughs> and the pot so can factors. the pot can be handled differently with with the with the larger grog in it because you can dry it faster. You can, like we did now, we went on with a torch flame to mm. to dry it off. That that's not what you should do. I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, but uh, but and we put them out in the sun, and uh, I mean, it's a stronger stronger feel to it while you're working with it as well. So. I mean, I'm, I'm like, it's like so fascinating to watch you guys make pots. First of all, it happens much quicker than I thought. I had no idea. Which yeah. you saying, you know, you like to make them quite rapidly. Watching Andy, you step aside today as Tom's doing some, you know, radical thing. That was really interesting to, to just sort of step down into the studio and you're standing watching and Tom's got this contraption made yeah. and he's like, making. I, I was just like, wow, I had no, I have not witnessed this before. You know, I've not watched it. So it was really interesting. But uh, the torch, when you guys got that out with the clay that was so wet and you started playing with these things and seeing where all of the different pots have been around, you know, the, the limited space that we have, it's it's really been quite a process to witness in yeah. person. Yeah. Obviously, I have huge respect for all three of your work. So just watching it happen has been pretty, pretty magical. Yeah. It's been yeah. it's been very, very cool. Yeah, I feel selfish though. I wanna, I wanna keep letting the community talk to you guys because I, <laughs> I, 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 I could talk to you guys all day. Yeah, we've got a lot of questions coming in. So Ricky D and Rafi had both had a similar question and asked about uh, Thor's use of textures. Has that influenced Andrew or Tom's desire to explore that aesthetic? And then Rafi had followed up on a similar point and said, "How do your styles differ from the others, and how do you get inspiration from each other?" Hmm. So we go with your texture. Yeah. Yeah. Got the texture. Yeah. Which, which texture, texture? on your, your pots. What was the question again? Sorry. Uh, yeah. How if you get influenced. Yeah. If you so get influenced, then oh, yeah, like does the, the, well, the, the texture of Tor's pots influence Andy and Tom? Because typically, Andy and Tom's pots are fairly fine and yeah. finished and really yeah. smooth, and and you do tend to have a real 
roughness to your yeah. pot, rusticness to your yeah. pot, right? Yeah. Does that so working together does that influence you, Andy and Tom? Um, I think sometimes, yeah. I, I think the thing I love about uh, Thor's pots is um, there's a really rustic finish, but Thor goes through a, a process of almost polishing the clay. So there's a contrast between the rust, uh, the rustic parts, the, the 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 textures that he's made, and the fingerprints, or however Thor makes his pot. But then there's still this almost burnished look to it, and there's a contrast between that burnished and that sort of ruggedness, which I think I, I can't do it because mm -hmm. um, I sort of go down that sort of working in engineering, I suppose that perfect sort of engineered finish. I'm trying to sort of loosen up a little bit with 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 what I do, but by working with these two guys, it's yeah, I think subliminally you're taking on what these guys are doing and, yeah. and perhaps incorporate, even though you may not know it, incorporate it into your work. But mm. yeah. But I, especially our first meeting in Sweden was yeah. really, that was, we didn't know what, what, what was going to happen with Triskel and everything. So we, we just sat down at my ki kitchen table actually and, and we just like, uh, we started out, you know, I, I passed some tools, I think, and yeah. we limited the tools to mine. And, and then Andy was saying like, okay, Okay, I'm really going to do this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Loosen up. Shake all the time. Come on, Andy, you can do it. <laughs> and that was just a slab and cutting up the, cor the corners and fold it together, put the, the pieces you, you took off. Yep. You put them as the feet. Yep. Yeah. And then finished. That was it. It yeah. was just literally just fold up, do and make. And without sort of thinking along my usual lines of, of how I'd make a pot, you know. I didn't have my slab roller. I didn't have my wheel. It was it was back to basics with yeah. with with just hand tools, hand building. And they pushed you into that. Uh, no, I went willingly. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Not like, you know, not like into your head, but 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 that was a product of travel. What started this idea of Triscoll? Was who, who, how, how did you three come together? I mean, we'll come back to the. The question that and what is a Triskelly while we're talking yeah, about sure that. yeah, yeah. How, how did this whole thing start and what's the motivation of it? Uh, we we knew each other from uh, some previous uh, exhibitions, but then there was this exhibition uh, in 2015 in very New Manchester in UK, Bonsai Europe, and uh, yeah, in the evening we just sat all together around the table and that's yeah, how it was happened. Like, it would be fun to do something together. Yeah. Should, what are we going to do? I mean, let's make... And then we started with making pots. And when we met each other at the trophy, we we exchanged pots. So I brought their swap rough... Swap editions. Yeah, yeah, and the swap edition, we call those. And then the money we raised, we said like, hey, let's... Why not come and visit each other in our studios? And then we did the national... Triscola thing and now it's only the national we're doing and this we visited each other once yeah. three yeah, times first in yeah. Sweden 2017 yeah 18 by me 19, 19 in the UK mm -hmm. but then, then COVID. The, yeah then came COVID but what we did was we left with the host you left the pots and he did the glazing and all you know after his so the touch was still there from one person this time it's totally different yeah. we come yeah. into Without have, we don't, haven't felt the clay, we don't know the working situation, we don't know how we're going to fire it even. Mm -hmm. So we have to think very, very wide because we don't know what's going to happen with these pots. We have to let, let go of all control. And that's really liberating, but at the same time, it's also... What I frustrating yeah, <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah. 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 We, can, we can inspire each other with yeah. something, mm -hmm. but... 
from my side, I, I get lots of inspiration from these guys, heads down. Yeah, but uh, yeah. but mostly I'm inspired by the challenge I have because mm -hmm. I don't bring my tools. I have to find something, and yeah. Oh, it's absolutely usually different. It's, it's ah, ours, you know. <laughs> everybody else's. Where's my Are, are, you, are you the notorious tool thief, Tom? Yeah, tool thief, Tom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. What's, what is, what is, what is Triskelly? What does that mean? You. The thing is, uh, it, the Triskelly, the, the name and the symbol is Celtic, and it's the Triforce. Uh, and that immediately, Tom, I think, yeah, the, was one I remember this uh, sign uh, uh, from my friend who, who made it out of a wire, put it in the stove, and I saw oh, him having it okay. branded in his shoulder. So I will remember this forever. And I thought, hey, we are all from Europe. We all have even the Swedish jeans <laughs> and, uh, and some Viking yeah. jeans, and, uh, but also the Celtic uh -huh. or Celtic yeah. jeans. And uh, in that moment, it just came to my mind. I always remembered that it, that it was uh, following this number three. So I put it in the place and Thor just said, hey, it's the three skiller, Triforce. Mm. Yeah. And then we decided also that uh, how many people are going to be in Triskele? We didn't. We didn't have a clue. Yeah. So, yeah. like, are we going to have guest potters? Maybe are we going to fourth potter to to use his tools in his workshop? Or, and then we sort of decided that ah, three is a three good, is good number. number. Yeah. And uh, and that if any one of us were to drop off in the future, we would just invite another one in mm -hmm. to the group. So gotcha. we yeah, so we, we can maintain the. The triskele. If something happens to me, Dang. I want Matthias Schleimundi to replace me. Uh, <laughs> you can't say that now. <laughs> hey, all right. I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah. You know, you stay around, though. You stay around. Your work's not done. So following up on some of your inspiration, I know you guys were talking about that. Could you talk about um, where you get your design ideas? Do you guys ever like to go to galleries? I know you, we went on a trip together to get some inspiration. Uh, anything else? Yeah, you go for it. Yeah, it happens uh, in many different ways again. Uh, okay, I, I usually say I'm uh, inspired by architecture, but I can maybe break it down into my deep love for shapes. It's just shapes, it's, uh, it's carves and the surfaces, the, they limit or they, uh, they border. And uh, I, have, I think I have really good three-dimensional uh, imagination. So sometimes I just see very nice carve, and in that moment it starting to meet another, and I immediately see the type of the surface it can uh, produce, meeting another, or I just it, it's it's some strange uh, game <laughs> in uh, in my brain. Or some of the designs they just born like this and I just see it mm. all mm. done and uh, some of them I'm really like developing from something like I want to incorporate incorporate this into some new design and how am I gonna do it and it can take interesting forever interesting mm. so it, it's really different or yeah Recently, I've seen a nice documentary on uh, on a particular part of uh, my country, where there are lots of old churches 
with absolutely fantastic baroque roofs and the drone images of it of these roofs. Oh man, those mm. are fantastic lotus pots. Lotus. Lotus. Ooh. Yeah, very complicated. So yeah, lotus. Yeah. Something yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, this the, this brings up the the almost robotic feet that you put on some of your round pots, Andy. Uh, robotic, mechanical. You you started using a foot outside of your cloud foot, yeah. and it's like that. This reminds me of that question of like, yes, when how you made that shift? Why? How? Where did it come from? The, the what? Sorry. The 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 more angular foot that you started using on some of your rounder pots. Uh, yeah, I, I think. I... I think you can sort of use, uh, I use a lot of the cloud feet uh, uh, quite a lot in, in, in most of my work, but then you get to a point you think, right, I'm going I'm to rest that for a while. You know, I don't want to saturate it too much out there and just be known for just, you're the foot potter sort of thing. Um, and then just try something a little bit different. Because uh, I, I work in engineering, um, I, I, I'm, I'm out on the train tracks, there's nuts, there's bolts, there's all these up and different things. And I've started putting like screw heads and nut heads to look like the, the feet have been screwed onto the pot. Yeah. Um, just different things like that. Um, other places of inspiration, um, as I work in London for, for, for the day job, um, where I used to work near South Kensington, it was just around the corner from the Victoria and Albert Museum. And the sixth floor is the ceramic floor. I think every single ceramic from all over the world. That you, and I used to spend every lunch break religiously every day five days a week on the sixth floor of the vna looking at all the pots and that's studio ceramics that's ancient japanese ceramics korean chinese sculptural pots painted pots unglazed pots and you're just taking all this information and and you may not necessarily go down an avenue but the next time you're you're at your workbench in 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 the studio ah that, that i remember that shape mm -hmm. or that area there and i'll try and incorporate that into a pot mm -hmm. um and again, my wife's a ceramic art artist and we go to a lot of um, ceramic fairs. And these are people um, that, that throw domestic wear, sculpture wear, um, all manner of ceramics that you can think of. And you may be walking past somebody's stand and something will catch your eye mm. and just think that would work so well, mm. you know, in, 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 in our ceramic world, in the bonsai ceramic world. Yeah. So that's where inspiration's from everything. I, I, and again, classic Japanese designs, I absolutely adore, but then you don't want to sort of replicate it exactly. You just want to sort of stone monkey it a little bit and yeah. do something a little bit different. You, know? you want to stone monkey it. That was used as a verb. <laughs> yeah, but, but a lot of inspiration comes, you're not aware of it. I mean, you're watching stuff all the time. You, you find things fascinating. You see lovely things around you. You, you see colors, you see, but you don't, you don't think about it. And when you, when you start to make, mm. when I start to make a pot, it's a little bit like, I'm dreaming. Why do you why do you dream what you dream? It's like all the impressions during, and then I try to control it more into a certain area, a limited area. But the inspiration is just you think you're inventing things, but you're just actually taking something that already exists, putting a piece yeah. of yourself in it, and pass it on. And yeah. that for me is art, really. Yeah. What about the schools, though? I mean, uh, you know, the schools, obviously, that's something that I think has not been represented necessarily in the bonsai ceramic form and, and in your work that has been a theme. You know, however much it's existed, it stands out. People uh, recognize your work with the schools. Yeah. And I was thinking, just thinking that for me, the vessel should be a temple for the tree because... Uh, in Japan, you find the bonsai pot is actually on in the graveyard. That's like the incense burner with sand. 
and it has the holes on the side. And this is, and also the wa big water vessels, it's also the bonsai aesthetics you find. And, uh, and I was just thinking that, okay, so, so if, if a Japanese person sees a bonsai pot, he will start to think about his grandfather, you know? And what, what kind of, what kind of, how can I relate to that? Yeah, of course I can do a tombstone or yeah, I can do some Gothic church or something, but I'm not religious. And so for me, I wanted to bring that um, eternal feel to it. And I just came to the skulls because skulls is, is, is uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. it's without death, there is no life. And I thought, what a great thing for, for, for a bonsai pot. Interesting. So it began as, as really, yeah, it, they develop. They, now they are sort of getting more, more, uh, yeah, not making so much noise anymore, but right. sometimes they come really wild again, and I like it, yeah. And so, people uh, people like it too, yeah, so. Yeah, it's yeah. fast, I, I, yeah. I get it, yeah. yeah. I've got a couple of them here, I, yeah. I was, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I completely, it's very captivating, and it's yeah. interesting to think about that, being that juxtaposition of, of, of life and death. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Along those same lines, Joshua had a question earlier and said, when you guys are making a container, do you ever think about what kind of a tree would go into that? You know, is mm -hmm. that part of your process at all? Yeah, I have always yeah. some tree in mm -hmm. my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I always tell myself that if I don't sell this pot, I always have some tree for it. Not the very big ones because I rely on you. <laughs> I'm happy to fall on that grenade. I'm happy to fall on that grenade. So you guys are like think you're you're thinking about your own tree that you would put in that pot. Yeah, or or I can uh, uh, think about some. Uh, just tell myself, oh, this will be very nice with this particular glaze and a hawthorn in autumn mm. with goldish leaves mm. and red. Uh, fruit right. or something that there is always something that uh, fits in that container you're conceptualizing and a combination a moment uh, a, a compatibility yeah. of sorts with yeah. shape with color with everything i think so yeah yeah do you ever take do you ever take you know as a bonsai practitioner i would look through coke fu albums and i would say how do i improve this tree do you ever look through a Kung Fu album or something like that and say, what container would I make for that tree? Mm, yeah, I've yeah, done yeah, it. Yeah. At ex yeah. exhibitions, especially, ah. I, I, mm. when you, because that's when you feel the tree. I mean, looking at pictures for me doesn't do it really. It's mm -hmm. like when you're standing there with the tree and say, would I have gone that way? No, I would probably have done it maybe. Yeah, what would I have done? This is yeah, also a good question. I, I, I could come back to the inspiration because uh, there was a tree that uh, just ignited the, the whole new series of my designs. Uh, that was a tree that was supposed to have a very rounded uh, uh, cascading branch in front of the pot. And I just wanted to repeat that carve. And I never did it before. I never incorporated uh, carves into my designs. But since then, I've made like four or five uh, significant designs that have these carves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the exhibitions mm -hmm. are also good. Uh, but for and, me, yeah, original usually it comes, as I make the body and then I make the feet. And then I'm looking at the proportions and then I, maybe take off a little bit of the height 
adjust the feet a little bit so you, you get that balance. And when I have that balance, then I think, okay, what, what can go in here? Okay, I maybe have to take off some more. I maybe have to put a lip on it. I see the tree. And then, then, uh, then, uh, then, when I glaze, it's also the same thing. But how how can I glaze this? Thinking of the tree I have in mind, or is it a flowering tree, uh, and so forth. And so, so yeah, the tree is important in the process. It's not Absolutely, just yeah. yeah, yeah. At least for me, yeah. I think it's important as well that you know we all like making pots, and that ultimately that a tree is going to be in that pot. So you've got to make a usable, practical vessel. Mm. But then that, that usable practical vessel could be freeform, it could be you know rustic, it could be classic. As long as you've got an idea of um, I'm making this pot, what, would I, what tree would I put in this pot? I think that's a valid enough reason to, to make that pot. Now are there like, are there conventional proportions? So you're saying maybe you cut it down, you get the balance right. You know, are there, are, are there a, a, a length to you know, left to right to front to back to depth to height of feet, proportions that you start off with as a fundamental guidepost, or is it is it all based on feeling? Because there is a function to it. You know, mm -hmm. antique yeah. Chinese pots typically tend to be very wide, mm -hmm. very narrow front to back, and relatively deep. Yeah. Yeah. And Japanese pots yes. kind of compressed and expanded to yeah. create more function for the pots. Mm -hmm. And 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 the the work that each of you have made, I've noticed plays on those proportions and I've also noticed a utilization of those similar proportions. What does that look like? Yeah, um, I, if I understood the question right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but, no, but there, the general rules are there. I mean, if I, if I find that this pot is just too deep, uh, or of course I have to do something about it, otherwise there will be difficult to plant in it. But what you're talking about, but proportions I think is very interesting because we, we, in Japan, they use the rice paper as a sort of, a, this is the, as, uh -huh. you know, it goes through all their works, like the, the size. I didn't know that. No? Huh? Okay. Rice paper? You mean like tatami Perfect. mats or like sheets of rice paper yeah, for yeah. the shoji screens, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. And those, I had no idea. Ah, uh -huh, okay. Yeah, because if you look at a Japanese pot, you can see that the proportions are a little bit stretched from ours. And we are more working for the, the A4, A5, A3. Yeah. What so, is it? What's A4, A5, A3? What I, is this? It's like a, a normal uh, office paper. Oh, okay. You know, the proportions. Oh, so are you serious? So yeah. This is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> it's a good way of getting the correct proportions. Oh, you're serious? So if you look at a piece yeah. of A4 paper, the, the, the width of the A4 paper is about three quarters of the, 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 of the front. Right. Yeah. And then if you chop that in half, you've got two A5. It's sort of like a, a bit of a, a ratio type of thing. Yeah, okay, so there is a ratio. There is a ratio. In yeah. here, uh, in, for us yeah, Westerners, so we think of, of because these. Yeah. Because you've worked with that proportion, that becomes what you are more or less trained to see or feel comfortable yeah, with? So, so, so when I make the bottom for a rectangle, I say, oh, this is nice, this is balanced. Yeah, but it's because I'm used to, mm -hmm. to that proportion. I force myself to maybe cut it a little shorter in the depth because I want to achieve more like the... Yeah. So, so you're saying that Japanese ceramics are based off of the convention around rice paper. In the Western world, our perspective of proportions are based around a common everyday proportion that exists in terms of paper. paper. Yeah, yeah, paper is so one thing, but yeah, I think this is a culture, this is almost well. a cultural thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. we're trained to... Yeah. Exactly. 
follow. Yeah. I think I think, yeah. it's, <laughs> I think, I think it's just automatic. That's you, crazy. Yeah, we have it in you, here, yeah. You automatic know if your pot's 12 inches wide, unless you're going to make a square pot, you're not going to make it four inches deep. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to make it about eight inches deep. And then that automatically, to the eye, it just gives it a, it looks right. Looks familiar. Mm. Yeah. Looks comfortable. It, yeah. 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 And I, and so the cool. antique Chinese pots that would maybe be 12 inches by four or looks, five inches. Looks really mm. odd. Yeah, that looks odd. But yet there, yet there is that proportion that exists mm. inside of the bonsai world yes, of mm. antique Chinese pots. Yeah. yeah. yeah but but as Western ceramicists, that proportion does not feel comfortable to you. It looks like a tray. Oh. Looks yeah. like, yeah. Uh, okay. For yeah. balcony flowers. I kind of like uh, it, yeah. <laughs> but but you, then, you like it? <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like yeah, it. but then you yeah. can think about the, some crazy multi-trunk uh, tree. I'm, sometimes I make the decision on the proportions and the unusual proportions just uh, because of the slab I've prepared. You know, I want it a bit thinner and by rolling it, it just became too long. Mm. And it's not that long for a, for a spot, so maybe it will suit just some uh, shorter raft or three trunk clump or something. That's when you go off this <laughs> office paper proportions. And it that was also so, a topic to me. so much for me. <laughs> that just blows my mind right now. I don't even know what to say. because. <laughs> Because looking at antique Chinese pots, it's like, well, where did that, where did that style come from, and why has it not been mimicked? And then the Japanese model is is based around a completely different template culturally, and that became sort of what we are all familiar with. But you're correct; Western pots are not as dramatically rectangular in terms of the left to right don't dramatically overweigh the front to back, yeah. right? And then, and yeah. so thinking about the standard form of paper that we use, that's really wow. This was a topic to me as well. I was still thinking, why are we tied so uh, hard to these rectangulars? Because square pots make way much more sense. Mm. Because uh, usually for your composition, uh, usually, I don't know what's, what percentage uh, of cases will say this is usual, but usually you don't want to be that wide with the pot. You, you go for the narrower that you can afford or your root ball can afford. But why the hell we don't use this depth mm -hmm. to a square because it gives it really depth for the mm -hmm. whole composition. Yeah. Yeah. And if you stick to this dimension for the particular tree, any one rectangle, you have limited uh, space for roots. I mean, the whole volume is then lesser than if you made it a square. Mm -hmm. So, but you I, see I would prefer... You see that's a lot of visual mass. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of soil mass. That's a lot of spatial yeah. mass. Yeah. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't want that much mass. Feels a little heavy and that rectangle mm. comes back into favor, you yeah. know? It's like a weird, yeah, it's a yeah, weird yeah. twisting, contorting dynamic of of all of these different characteristics of a tree that, and I think one of the things that guides me to using the three of your work so much is your pots are functional. Mm -hmm. You know, the what your proportions of, you know, the distance left to right, front to back and depth with the combination of feet and colors and details, all of those things come together and work. They all work, they become functional for a wide variety of trees mm -hmm. It's not that pot that you buy at some point and sits on your shelf for 10 years and you never mm. find something for it. 
because it's funky and unusual and there's no compatibility. Uh-huh. That's, that's not how your, the three of your work uh, exists in the world. It's very easy to use your work and find those moments because you're striking that balance of all of those elements being functional, at least to the trained aesthetic mm-hmm. of, of what we perceive bones I ask right now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah, I think you guys touched on this a little bit, but a few people are, are asking George, Stephen, and Matthew, probably some others as well, is what really got you started and where, um, you know, who inspired the specific styles for your bonsai pots? Because you all have a, a unique style, I think. Yeah, we all, all three of us are completely different. Completely sort of, different. Completely different. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's what makes us strong as a, as a, as a trio of potters. Um, yeah, for and me... What I started is perfectly the same for us, mm. too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Tom and, and I both started making pots for our own bonsai because we couldn't afford to buy other people's pots. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my first ever pot was, how can I make a bonsai pot? So through the kitchen, found the lasagna dish, which I thought, yeah, that looks like a bonsai pot. <laughs> Newspaper inside, bit of clay, bunged some feet on it, a few holes. Yeah, I've got a pot. <laughs> a lasagna and, dish and, was the yeah, beginning. Was yeah. Yeah, I just did I it on the outer side of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. That's the only yeah. difference. And I've still got the pot, still sat on the shelf. Nice. All these years later. No tree in it. No, no. no. Uh-huh. And, and then you, you sort of, when I had trees at the time, um, I just started making and playing around with things to try and get used to how clay works, what it does, you know, where you can push it, what you can, what you can't do, and don't fire low-fired clay up to stoneware temperature so it melts on your kiln shelf, mm. which did happen, mm-hmm. and I had to throw the kiln shelf out. So, yeah, it was learning the hard way. Um, and just making pots for my own sort of trees. Um, and again, sort of because bonsai is, is sort of predominantly uh, Japanese, that's the first sort of source that I went to for sort of inspiration. Yeah. Uh, and to try and do my extremely bad versions of what those pots looked like 20 odd years ago. You, you seem to be doing pretty well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you seem to be doing pretty well. What about you, Tor? Um, I had too much going on. I was making music, I was writing photos, painting and just try to move all these different arts you know forward one step like a like lazy soldiers you know i never got anywhere with the music quite good but and then a friend said like why don't you why don't you focus on just one thing you would be like a laser beam and 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 i was like if i could do only one thing it would be it would be ceramics ceramics because we were sitting on every friday we were sitting and making teacups uh, at a local studio and i was just loving that whole you know everything disappears when you touch clay and you know words come and go radio come and go it's like yeah it was just and then i realized well i can't be doing coffee mugs and and like everybody else i have to find i have to niche myself and then I had a tree I picked up in the mountains that I had in a, in a pot that I bought. And I thought that maybe I can do, uh, maybe I can do a bonsai pot. Yeah, can I? No, no, you can't. Oh, yes. <laughs> Why not? Why can't I? Why you know, so I just started making rectangles, found my own way of doing it uh, with a, with a find, find my own solutions. I didn't Google anything or, or because then I thought I'm going to be too influenced. And I didn't want to go to the local club because I knew what they would say. They would say, ooh, do this, look at that. So I just trained myself for, from 2008 to 2013 before I, I felt like, okay, now I'm ready. So I just put, I put everything in the car. I Googled biggest, what's it, what is it called? Bonsai fair, maybe? Bonsai show, bonsai. And then I found EBA in Poland. And I said to my wife that, 
Baby, we're gonna get rich. <laughs> and I had 19 banana boxes with pots stashed into our old opal. And we were sitting like this driving, sleeping at the, the ferry, you know, and just driving. It's gonna be better on the way back home, baby. It's gonna be better. It's gonna be much more room. Nah, not really. I, I came down like in a, just, and that's an explosion really, like from nowhere and yeah. just had a temp temple in the center and people were coming, where have you been? What's this? What's, what's this about? You know, my sculpture teams with mm -hmm. the Yggdrasil, the Nordic themes. So I was just standing there and then came uh, Esprit Bonsai and did an article about me and I was just, boom, immediately. Yeah, I remember yeah. when you came on the scene, it was really interesting like nothing anybody had ever seen before. You vended at the national show too. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and, and people were just like, have you seen this guy's work? And it's just like, yeah, it was, it was really, it was radical. You had that same effect too. Tony Tickle posts a picture of one of your red pots. You're on the corner of his vendor stand at the trophy and suddenly Tom Benda is born mm -hmm. as far as, you know, ceramics and Peter Warren saying, hey, have you seen Stone Monkey's work? This guy yeah. is really freaking good. Yeah, I've got lots of thank people. It's, yeah, yeah, lots it's very, people. very interesting. Yeah, the way it all begins. Mm. That's kind of romantic. Mm. Yeah. 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 So moving yeah. back forward and, and, and touching on our, our recent adventures together, can you guys talk about your inspirations that you got from going out into the wild? That question's from uh, Troy Cardoza. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Troy. Troy Cardoza in the chat. Hi, Troy. <laughs> I personally, I think it will affect my work dramatically, but I'm going to see that when I come home. Right now, it's it's cliffs, it's cracks, it's 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 the whole, you know, just this, the the color of the soil, the trees, of course, and everything, mm. nature. It's just a big explosion. It's like being to a to a to a on a roller coaster, really, emotionally, spiritually, and everything. Yeah. So uh, let's see, but I, I think it will have a huge impact on my work, at least for the coming two or three months, yeah. Yeah, I would totally agreement with, with, with Todd that uh, huge impact personally, emotionally. Mm. Um, and uh, it's, you're bombarded with the vastness of space, the heights of mountains, the force of the water that we saw coming mm, down yeah. the waterfalls. Mm. It's, it's, it's information overload in the brain and, and you, you know it's all going in, you don't know what's going to come out of it, but we guarantee that, that it's, it, I think it's changed us three personally, mm. us as a, as, as, as a collective mm. and, and, and our work going forward, hands down. Already, yeah. the, 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 the work that you made before we went on the trip and the work that has been made since we've gotten back has been, has been very dramatically different. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely has been so. dramatically different, yeah. which is really inspiring mm. to me. Yeah. The first days, my work was inspired by the pots and the trees yeah. that I found here because we came yeah, direct so from the airport, right? And a few shackles along the way and, you know, street signs and stuff that just... But then it was actually the, the pots in the garden and, mm. and uh, by looking, you know, you can't prevent it. It's, in, it's just going to sure. hit you. Yeah. And, and the yeah. other thing is like using even like the stones and kind of a lot of piece of bark on the floor, using that as either tools or, or to make patterns and impressions in the pot. Mm -hmm. Just picking up sort of, you know, local information around us from, from your fantastic place. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of mm. putting that into the pot, but you're, you're quite right. Sort of after that monumental 72 hours of <laughs> life, bench, The bench fast. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah. Mm. 
you know, we can't not be affected by yeah. it. Can't specifically pick out one single thing, but you know, we could write down about a hundred things that we we will now be influenced by. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you so much for. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I, I, I mean, uh, I've been to see the Bristol Cones uh, a few times. I've been to Yosemite a few times, but I've never seen uh, the Bristol Cones or Yosemite in the same way that I saw them this trip with you guys. I mean, it really was quite a spiritual adventure. Uh, mm-hmm. and super, super dramatic. Mm. Uh, you said it best, I think, when you said when you're doing the right thing, things do seem to come together. And that was the theme of the trip because we found ourselves alone in the bristle cones. We found ourselves on an adventure in Yosemite we hadn't anticipated. Uh, and all of them just uh, bore a tremendously tasty bowl of fruit. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was really something special mm. sitting at the top of Yosemite by the river drinking fresh snow melt and hanging out. Yeah. And I mean, it's like really a, quite, a, quite a monumental journey. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think yeah. There's, I think there's one other thing that will stick in our brain, that, that, that apple, cheese, and peanut butter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Are just the best. Together. <laughs> the variety <Yes>. special. <laughs> that's, Beech- that's Beecher's. What about you, Tom? Is it going to influence your work? Yeah, of course, uh, I also can't predict the long-term effect, but this... It, if I would call it like my point of view to the to this edition, I would call it geological, uh-huh. because mm-hmm. what I saw the the trees were sitting on top of that just had to inspire me. That that was inevitable. Yeah. So yeah, I would say geology mm-hmm. for this inspiration mm-hmm. and for the future, we will see. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. But the future, maybe I will come back to my usual playground of being more uh, geometric here, being out of my box from the very beginning, even before the trip. uh, I don't do uh, my usual work when I'm with the guys. Mm -hmm. There is always something. I sometimes uh, have... uh, Tastes like, hey, can I finish this pot or something? Because mm-hmm. there's something inspiring and I want to pronounce it a bit more or something. That, that happened. Yeah. Mm. But uh, so do you all, all t- do you all touch each pot or do you not? How does that? Would you do you interact like that with this with it the depends, It depends. Uh, but there's always at least one pot that all of us ah, touch. Okay. Mm. All three pairs of yeah. hands. Yeah. But we all take part in making. We so call it the. Crown jewel or the centerpiece or ah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And there's gonna be one in this edition. For Can sure. we call dibs, or did you already do that? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, here's the deal. I hope I don't screw this up because they're leaving these pots with us as if we know what the hell we're doing <laughs> with them. And we've been frantically trying to educate ourselves. We're gonna go to a wood-fired conference. That's that's that, yeah. that's how dedicated to this process we are of not screwing up the Triscally Mirai <laughs> edition is uh, no, but we do. I, it will be interesting to see how these clays that you've never worked with fire. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness one of the clays the gentleman is quite familiar in his kiln with how that's going to yeah. work. You're working with his glazes and yeah. some of the other. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I personally am most inspired by the salt from Mono Lake yeah, yeah, being applied, yeah. but that's like probably the most volatile potential mm. contribution to the project, yeah. right? I mean, this mm. is completely unknown what's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. 
Might do some tests. Maybe some podcasts already. Make <laughs> some tests, please. No, I'm going to mix uh, mix tomorrow and start working with it. Are you? So, yeah, yeah. That's that's tomorrow's work. That's yeah. so exciting. That's yeah, really yeah. Just that, the news. Everything. I also need some cover. <laughs> for yeah. My and Andy, you took the, you 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 grabbed some granite from the Sierras that you're going to yeah. see if you can grind it down and incorporate it into some pieces. Yeah, I was going to um, give it to to somebody else to to use it. So because a guy that I know that uh, sort of deals in in that type of glazes, but since I've been using it on the pots I've been making downstairs, it's sort of a good addition to the toolbox. Oh, nice. Yeah, Tex yeah. Texture wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's sure. Been, it's been mm. fantastic yeah. to sort of make yeah. a, a formal pot and then. Beat it to death with a rock, really. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's the easiest description. Um, but yeah, and, and it's opening up new doors, and like you're thinking, oh, next time I'll do this, or I could utilize that. And and this is just from a piece of granite from Yosemite that, no, I'm not going to part with it now. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. It's a piece of. Uh, While we're talking about the firing process, there's a few questions about that. Can you, can you maybe guesstimate what's going to happen with the work? I know we have a few ideas of what will happen. Um, and then maybe tie that into, uh, you know, just the bisque firing process and glazing and just kind of walk us through what that would normally look like. And I know we're going to have some other people we're going to work with on that. Yeah, I mean, normally we'd, yeah, the, the, the pieces that we'd make um, to get bisque fired. And I still think we're in agreement that, that Jan's going to uh, bisque fire the, yeah. the ware. So then it's in that solid sort of more, um, uh, yeah, uh, not as a fragile state it right. is when it's green. Um and then normally, if if we was in each other's country, we'd whoever's like Tom would wood fire, we'd electric. Um, but yeah, like you said, hopefully we we can get it in a in a wood fire. Yeah, would be. Mm. I mean, for me personally, that's yeah. the sort of ultimate fire. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's wood firing for me as well. That's you what... want all all of the pieces wood fired? Is that where you kind of came to last night after? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. we so yeah. we met yeah. with a, sort of a community of ceramicists, Jan Rentonara, whose whose work is also. Uh, you know, utilized heavily at Mariah. She lives right down the street from us. She's been instrumental, instrumental in this process. I mean, Jan is like our, our spirit guide for the Triscally collaboration at Mariah. And, um, and, and Jan has historically wood fired. There's a lot of wood firing history and ceramic uh, history of wood fire in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and so we've been pushing that, but I know there was also a downdraft gas kiln that was sort of the backbone of what we yeah. were thinking. But did we end up on, we want to push the wood fire as much as we can? I think we've been thinking that way all along the way. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's been hard to erase that, yeah. really, right. since uh, it's, it's been there. But, but yeah, I think that's that, on top of it. But a gas kiln would fire be is the always second the choice. Yeah. 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 Gas kiln is not second choice. Yeah. So, so if you had your druthers, wood fire the whole body of work. Yeah. 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 Is, any of that, is any of that informed by, and this might be super um, ridiculous to ask you, but we, we drove through a lot of burnt forests and a lot mm. of forest fire oh. uh, damaged locations. You know, you're talking about the colors and the textures and geology as a theme. Was any of that informing just the devastation that we witnessed too, informing that notion of geology and fire interacting on that? I mean, obviously it's something you deal with anyways through mm -hmm. the ceramic vessel, but mm -hmm. did that inform any of your thoughts about this project? Because we started off with a gas kiln. I was like, that's yeah. probably what's going to yeah. happen. And yeah. like wood fire was in the distance here. Like maybe we can wood fire. Yeah. But now it's like, we're really pushing hard for the wood fire. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we do our best, yeah. That will be 
to improve. Yeah, well, I, I don't, uh, you can ask the question. I don't really. I think yeah. I don't like you say going through the, the for, I don't think that was a, a conscious. Decision. Didn't inform me. Anything, no, yeah. it, it wasn't mm -hmm. a conscious Fair decision enough. of that sort of had any bearing. I think as us three as potters for us wood firing is yeah it's the holy grail. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the easiest thing to do. Gas second, electric. And that's my preference, and other people may have different preferences. Um, but it gives, and as a Tom would rightly explain, you, you get you know, things you can't replace. The fly yeah. ash flying everywhere, mm. leaving special marks on pot, flames on pots. You can't. You can sort of do it in a gas kiln. You can't do it in an electric kiln, but you can sort of mimic those sort of ash type glazes. Mm. But yeah, wood wood fire. I mean, I think if possible, and we did sort of set our set our hearts on um, having an unglazed edition. I think mm. from the start, which would make mm. the process of of, uh, of, a, of another or taking the responsibility of another ceramic artist having to glaze our work, mm. um, you know, uh, yeah, because I think it's quite a big. I wouldn't want to do it personally because mm. I think it's quite a, a big responsibility. To, yeah, I mean, I know mm. I do it with these two mm. guys, and I think we're we're quite confident mm. in in glazing each other's work and firing it mm. on what we think's right at the moment. But for another um, ceramic artist mm. to do that outside of the sort of bonsai community, I suppose, mm -hmm. is, I think it's a bit of a big ask. That is a big ask. Yeah. That's a, a very risky mm. for the time and the in the effort that's been put yeah. into this project mm. for sure. Mm. I love it. I'm not going to complain about that at all. Yeah, we're all over it. Uh, a couple but I questions. wish we sh we should have collected some of that ash. And yeah, that would made it. That's what we, we got the salt at Mono Lake, but we did yeah. not get the ash from from the Detroit. forest fires around yeah. Yosemite. Yeah, that, 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 that would have been, been epic. Mm. Yeah, good yeah. salt. Mm. Missed that one. Yeah. On the subject of firing, Sorry. Joe had asked, what is the ideal temperature for firing these pots so that they don't fall apart over time? Uh, basically, uh, good quality bonsai pots are content, fired, and uh, that's, that's, uh, that's content. Uh, it doesn't uh, uh, depend much on the temperature because you can reach content uh, with slightly lower temperature yeah. than those 1250, 13, uh, 13, uh, 50 degrees. Uh, I have a friend who fires just 1100, but he does it for three days and content just lays down. So basically. it's all about the heat work, really. Mm. It's um, like Tom says, you can get cone 10, which, bend, which bends at about uh, 13, 10 degrees centigrade, around about 13, 1300 to 1310. Mm -hmm. um, but if you sub subject the wear to uh, a longer firing, sort of low, long over a period of time, like they do in Japan, you can still get that that cone ten to bend at about eleven eighty, twelve hundred. What's the motivation to as subject ceramics to a lower temperature over time? Characteristic of the clay being tolerant of the heat, or is there some other reason? Possibly, I don't know. Uh, with with Japanese clay, there could be that reason that that they need to do it slower. Uh -huh. um, you get a feel. For, again, it's, it's it's trial and testing to to know. What you can do with your clay, how far you can push it. For example, my my red clay, the shop says only 1180. Stuff that I'm going 1260, mm -hmm. and see if it can it, it, and it can hold it, and it, and it does, and it turns mm -hmm. out fine. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, what, what you want yeah. is is the clay to sintra to go into becoming a, a, yeah, a mineral. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's, then it becomes like stone. Stoneware, and that's also when it becomes more frost resistant, and and but it's still a rock, it's still a piece of rock. So I mean, it can be broken, just like, yeah, like the mountains can be broken, yeah. Because mm. uh, it's about the ability to uh, 
suck the water. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it, it has to be maximum, I think, two percent, yeah. and that's something mm. that even granite has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you're saying firing to cone tin, which becomes vitri- vitrification, yeah, or the creation of stoneware, is really the reduction of the pore size to a degree yeah. where it will not hold yeah. more than two percent of water. Yeah, it will shrink ten to. 15%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all clays have a, 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 a temperature rating that it has to be fired at yeah. this minimum temperature, uh-huh. and that's the maximum temperature. Any, um, some, like porcelain, might be 1220 to 1260. That 1220 to 1260 is the vitrification sort of period gotcha. okay. to get it down to that temperature where the water absorbency is is down to its absolute bare minimum. Uh, so I absolutely mislead it from the very beginning as well because it doesn't have to be content. It depends on the clay right. you use. Okay. Yeah. You just yeah. have to yeah. fire properly. That's mm. the thing. I've heard about uh, many bonsai potters that uh, had to change uh, even their clays uh, because of some glazes they uh, started to prefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. they, they went from content to cone or something yeah, because of glazes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The first time I heard about that, yeah, now now Tokutaki talked about that. He said not everything has to be fired to a cone 10. No. It's the characteristic of the clay, yeah. what mm-hmm. cone you have to fire to to get it to vitrify. And that even a cone six or a cone eight container can be frost resistant yeah. based on the clay, yeah. which I was just like, wow, this is over my head. But what what is this cone made of? What is this cone made of? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. What is that? Just, yeah, the only way I could describe it is... Um, I mean, it's like a little spike, and then little, as, yeah, as, as it heats spike. up, it bends over, and now yes. you hit the temperature yeah. that yeah. is cone 10. Yeah. 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 It, I don't know what it's made out of, some mineral, but it, it literally, at that specific ten, temperature, it will bend over. Yeah. So you know that you've hit. And you have like a bunch of them, and they like bend over as you hit the different cones, yes. right? Yeah. And then it's the last one to fall. Let's say it's basically mm-hmm. made of some uh, silica oxide and maybe some feldspar. Mm, yeah, mm, possibly. Probably. But uh, some that was perfectly tested, so they perfectly know all uh, the tec- technical data about it. And s- from these, they mix in dif- different ratios. With a higher temperature, I suppose there will be more of the silica oxide in it. And yeah, but, but it's to keep track on your kiln as well. That yeah. your kiln is doing okay. A visual, so, yeah. visual reference. Yeah. So mm-hmm. did I reach that? Or, because when you're up at 1200, you know, 10, 20 degrees can, can you know. Like a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you keep track on your kiln's status. Sometimes you have to put the, uh, the thermometer higher because you know that it actually burns lower than, uh-huh. than what's so. Right. So it's a bit like that also. But in language, you say, oh, it's a con- cone 10. That's when it's... That's, uh, that's uh, the most important thing. Even even the pyrometer or the... if I mean, Tom, I know Tom uses a pyrometer. They're not 100% accurate. It really mm. just shows the, the speed of the firing that you're firing at. Those mm. cones are the most imperative part mm. to look at them. And once they mm. go, that's it. You can shut off. I'll be done. On the same subject, uh, if I could follow up, Rafi had asked if there was a percentage of water absorption that's acceptable in uh, freeze-resistant ceramics, like 0.5% or what is that number? Yeah, I've heard it's up to 2%, but I'm not perfectly sure. Yeah. Basically, I don't know if you guys do the same, but I've uh, seen this from other potters as well, that, or even the... Uh, Customers that buy your pots, uh, that they lick the body of the, the pot. pot. Uh-huh. When it when it's uh, really like sticking quickly to your tongue, like you can't <laughs> move yeah. it away from your mouth, then 
uh, like it's pulling your <laughs> it's tiger away. Moisture, yeah. Then yeah. it's sucking up too much moisture. Yeah. Do you do? Th you don't do that. I do that. Oh, you do that. Yeah. Uh, maybe in every down, firing, right? there's some pot that I'm maybe not sure. Like, is this one enough? Because you know, with my um, really unpredictable way of firing, the, this can happen. But wow. Treebeard Steve has a comment and then a follow-up question. He said, Michelangelo once said the statue was in the stone. I just carved it until I let it out. Is there any parallel in your experience with clay or any clays? For me, actually, yeah. I, I work from the outside. I, I, I sort of sculpture the pot and then I remove what's not the pot, so to speak. So instead of building up, adding, 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 I sort of remove to get where I want to be. So you're like subtraction method and we're sort of addition method by adding yeah. to create and you're starting with the lump and taking the clay away to, to reveal the pot. Yeah. Michelangelo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew oh, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I realized here uh, when I was here first time two and a half years ago and having uh, an interview with Josh uh, that I originated from uh, one uh, very old hobby that I had that my grandfather just gave into my soul. It was paper models. He made me uh, some nice paper models. Uh, like origami? Cars. Origami? No, no, no. 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 It, that, that you just yeah, cut some slabs and glue it together. Oh, in fact. okay. And he made some house and, and cars uh, and uh, then I think I still wasn't seven years old, and I already like uh, uh, painted it or painted uh, houses called when you draw it on the paper, cut it into pieces, and I made a, a truck with a trailer for myself. Oh, so there's, that's where okay, you it come was from. very yeah. it yeah. was very simple, but there were already some no just boxy uh, shapes. And later I remember I, I just wanted to have it more carved. So, and paper is uh, even worse medium for this than just clay. <laughs> but I found my way to, to make rounded uh, shapes and surfaces. I, I designed myself some sports car, so I made it uh, in paper. So we when I was like 15, we, I made it more complicated. But this explains, we were stopped at a gas station in Oakhurst, <laughs> California, and there were like three trailers with old, like 1940, 19... Oh, yeah. yeah, 44 yeah. Ford, uh -huh. 47 Oldsmobile. Uh-huh, uh -huh. and Tom had to have pictures, and then he needed to talk with the owners of those cars, <laughs> and now it all makes sense. Now I totally get it. I totally get it. Uh, Ricky D asked, when you're working with the clay, does this become somewhat of a spiritual process for any of you? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You can sort of take you away from the day job and just literally just shut off to the universe. And you're, I don't know, I, I listen to quite a lot of classical music while I'm playing and I just, just zone out. You know, you've been up in London doing your thing and you just want a bit of peace and quiet. Yeah, it is, yeah, you can. I think it is a very spiritual thing. I'm still in my out. day job, but. Yeah, well, yeah, you two guys are lucky that it is your day job. Mm. No, but I, I think also that being creative is what we are here to do. Yeah. This is what we are, if you, if you, 
we are creators. We either create problems, money, <laughs> whatever, but we create all the time. And just doing that creativity into something positive and building something is, is very interesting because you are building yourself. It's just like when you're working on the tree. You're actually yeah. bonsaiing yourself. You're removing yeah. the parts you don't want anymore. It's like a... And clay for me is, is the path because I can alter it, alter it, alter it until I'm happy with it and then I fire it and then I can't do anything more. And yeah. then I can just... It's just like this is my way also of taking decisions in life. If you're a blacksmith, you can... It's hard immediately, but you can always change it, but it's still hardness, it's still toughness. And uh, every sort of art form has their way of uh, being, I think, uh, reflecting your, your spirit or, your, or your, your way of being mm. as a person. You can also even change that by forcing yourself to do something that you normally don't do, like I did with blacksmithing, because I really wanted to be hard and... and but being able to change my mind. But then I realized, no, it's better to not be able to change your mind. Decide where you want to go and go there. Don't, don't look back. It's be like, decisive. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Clay is like that. Yeah. Ceramics. Mm. So spiritual, yeah, definitely. For me, yeah. Meditative. Yeah. You, know, you, you just find yourself in some very calm parts of your own universe. And it's... Mm. Right. Does it does it does it change it having to make a living? With, you know, people talk about that. Uh, you know, making a living changes that. It turns a hobby or it turns an art form into a career. Mm. For me, it, it hasn't changed the value of, of bonsai and working no. with the tree for me. Even if I have to do it, you know, have to. Even if I'm doing it because there is the necessity to make a, a living doing it, which is you know that there, that's a necessity mm -hmm. when you make it a career, but. It still feels the same to me doing that as, you know, a lot of times I'll say I have to take, I need a day off and I'll still be wiring a tree mm. and it's my day off. Mm. The only difference is, is I'm not, I'm not doing some of the other things I would have to do mm. professionally, but I'm still wiring a tree and that's, yeah. that's my rendition of a day off. Yeah. Does, does that work the same for you really depending on ceramics? It yeah. was... For me, it was the, the, in the beginning when I started to do it full time, I realized that either I, I tried to make a pot that people want, uh, want to pay for, you know, and, the, and I was listening to what people wanted to pay for a pot. And I realized all these trying to stop myself to keep a low price, the lowest possible, really killed it. So I, I decided just, nah, I'm going to make the pot like I want to make it. If there's a buyer out there who likes it, he will find it, and if even if it's just two percent of all the people doing bonsai that finds this, so and then it actually became became freedom instead, and and I feel like that changed it for me. That I was on the wrong path. I was listening too much to what people saying, like ooh, 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 ooh. yeah, uh, you know, that's uh, nah, forget it. Put the price that that you 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 see mm. it is worth for you. And that secures that you've been be keeping on making pots and the people that like your stuff will find you yeah. and they will support you. And this is the way to do it, I think. Going the other way, making a lot of stuff for low price kills it in yeah, the end. It does. It's yeah. just the factory. factory yeah. mm -hmm. it's, uh, the creativity. I mean, these, these two guys that I love working with, it's, it's their full-time job. For me, it's, you know, I do it in my spare time. 
And I think even if I went and, and stepped over that, sort of took that leap of faith, which I'm hoping to do sometime at the end of next year, um, to actually go and do it full time, I don't think it will ever feel as though I have to make them. Mm -hmm. I want to make them. Mm -hmm. and I want to carry on making them. Sometimes it becomes a really hard job, really tough work sometimes, and but still I feel like I'm just playing. Not mixing up glazes in wintertime when you've got to break the ice on the top of the bucket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like you, you feel like some, someone is going to open the door and say, hey, get back to work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. You know, the, the pot tells you, you know, it needs to be finished. Sometimes it's really crazy. Like you are absolutely out of all energy and some pain in my neck because I always have to look at my pots this way because that's the way I can watch my right hand working. So it's crazy. And when you still feel like, oh, there's another three or four hours and I have to do it today because even if I wrap it uh, in plastic, the best way I can do, it will feel different tomorrow. Mm. So, the yeah, clay, it's sometimes well. really yeah. tough, but... Slave to the clay. Slave to the clay. Yeah. Slave to the clay. Yeah. I love that. That's like a solid band name right there. Yeah. Uh, slave to the clay. Let's do the Maybe a little geeky. Yeah. Maybe a little bone, hardcore bonsai huh? Clayslave.com. Check it out. <laughs> uh, Ricky D had another interesting question. He said, aside from one another, do you guys have any particular favorite bonsai ceramicists uh, currently Ooh. or maybe in the past? Ooh. That's a hard question. Yeah, it's uh, not that I would not like uh, forget mentioning someone, but th there are there are many. Th there are names that that meant a lot to me. Horst Heinzleiter was just great uh, for sharing uh, some of his uh, knowledge, and especially the thing that I value the most was the big encouragement he he gave me. And the same was with Peter Krebs. I, I, I just absolutely admired his ability to copy uh, the old classic Chinese and Japanese yeah. pose. That's yeah, he's a, he's a amazing. Mm. And also for for the inspiration he gave me, like no inspiration, the, yeah, encouragement, mm. encouragement mm. that he gave me. So yeah, these are the two names, but there are so many others. Especially the old, to me, unknown. I, I don't remember the names of the two, three hundred years old um, uh, authors of the old classic Japanese and Chinese pots. Right. But it's all of them. You know, we mentioned that you can find uh, inspiration just anywhere, everywhere. So uh, every potter has something. Yeah, they, they, they sort of, yeah you, I think when I started out, especially in the UK, there was two sort of predominant potters that were sort of two flip sides of the coin with Dan Barton Bar being very free and energetic and, and, and Arcee and Gordon Duffett being yeah. very classical shaped. So they were the two main potters that spoke to me. But there are, as Tom says, there's, there's loads, you know, these two guys set aside, there's loads of potters out there that that are that are influences uh, and or influence me mm. um, and again I remember going to a show many years ago when I was first started out uh, and John Pitt was selling his wear there and uh, I was talking to him about pots and he just said there's room for everybody mm. and, and just giving you that encouragement to say yeah just go for it uh, and, and, and find your own voice ah, the, 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 the British tradition of bonsai ceramics is insane though yeah. you know Brian Albright oh, John, John John Pitt yeah. who you, whom you just mentioned yeah. 
Walsall. Yeah. I I mean it's and like you said, Gordon Duffett, who who you know never made a massive body of work, mm. but. I remember showing up at the trophy and Gordon Duffett had a table and he had 10 pots and they sold and he packed his stuff up and he left. Yeah. <laughs> he was there for about three hours. That was it. That was all you saw of Gordon Duffett. He was gone. It was like, oh, that's Gordon Duffett. And there he goes. It was like, oh. You know, and then Brian Albright's, you know, has this, just this warm, you know, welcoming individual yeah. and he's got these wonderful pots and then, you know, the Walsall boys. Yeah. Uh, you can't Pop-pop. stop laughing when you're yeah. around them, but but mm-hmm. you know, going and seeing John Pitt's garden and all of his bonsai are as immaculate as his pots are, yeah. and you're just like, wow, this is really it's it's a it's a very uh, significant lineage to be a part of. I would yeah, think, yeah, so you know, and and, and you and yeah, you've made your you've made your place in that high level of ceramic tradition. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Yeah, no, it's a privilege to be part of, and yeah. and, and for all the guys that encouraged me to. You know, stick with it, carry on, and it's it's paid off in the end. Yeah, it really has. Good, good. What about you, Tor? Yeah, you tried to avoid inspiration. <laughs> you tried to run away from it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I uh, yeah, I was, I was looking uh, elsewhere for inspiration when I began, mm-hmm. but then I, I stumbled upon a book of uh, with uh, Tofukoji, the Japanese uh-huh. pattern. Which every almost every potter has a like yeah. a yeah yeah and I, I I looked through that book and I said like wow this is this is totally different and I just like yeah this is this is me in a way and uh, he gave me courage to to uh, to do what I do you know uh, and then and then you took a radically outlying approach to ceramics and you went to the belly of tradition. Mm. You went into the bowels of Japanese bonsai ceramic tradition and and went yeah. and and studied with Shuho. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, they gave me the name uh, Valleybeer uh, Komatani the, because I was in between the the big mountain of east and west. Valleybeer. Valleybeer. Kumatani. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. You might yeah. not you might not escape with that moniker not sticking. <laughs> that, that that may be. We may have just replaced Tour. With uh, uh, Kumatani. I'm, I'm cool with that. You're cool with that? <laughs> nice. I like that. Chuck has a nice question here. He says, how do you keep your pots from outshining the tree that they might that they may contain or vice versa? Of course, there is a range of trees that the pot any pot can accommodate, but some pots are hard to pair. Sometimes that's fine and the pot becomes a standalone piece. Some of Peter Krebs' pots seem deliberately so, but how do you deal with that dilemma? And he said to add that he really loves all of your work. I don't deal with that much. I don't. Uh, yeah, the the more I work, the the less I care about this because yeah, I have Ryan who can always pair my pot with something. You know, that, 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 that's really problem. that's really you can worry about it. A story that I like that uh, there was this uh, design I call uh, a cubistic lotus. You had it here. There's one uh, Shohin pine in, in that design, still present here yeah. in the garden. And there were many people in uh, the trophy just admiring it, especially because it was just a small one, so it looked absolutely lovely. And there were some few people saying like, oh, that's absolutely awesome piece, but I would have to put it on the shelf in, uh, in my living room because it will always outshine my trees. 
Then Ryan bought it, planted a so tree in it, and I could sell dozens of it in that moment. Mm. But before that, no one. Mm. I had to have Ryan for it. Mm. And I have this imagination for, for every of my stronger, more expressive designs that there are loads of trees that can handle uh, the presence of my inputs. It's, yeah, it's not even handling though, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I think the West... Having good marriage. Yeah, absolutely, because, and we've talked about this at length in this visit, that ceramics now in the bonsai realm are coming up to an equal threshold with the tree, which it's always been coined as tree and tray. I mean, the, the, the kanji symbols of bonsai are e equivalent, you know, and in fact, bone is above sai. You know, the tray is above the tree in, in, the, in the kanji writing, <laughs> you know, which doesn't necessarily establish a hierarchy, but it does suggest that there is, an e there is at least an equal uh, execution. And that's a different value system than, you know, and, and again, I really want to encourage you to listen to the podcast with Thor because you really broke it down to this was a community of individuals that were making domestic homeware they were making functional items and suddenly they were without an economy to support that and they really transitioned to bonsai that became mm. the move towards bonsai in japan as the ceramic model mm. in tokoname mm. and and so it wasn't like it wasn't like necessarily artists so much as craftsmen who then took it and added obvious creativity and artistry to it and made it their own but it was not the same as where I think ceramicists functioning in Europe, ceramicists functioning in North America are, are, are truly using the ceramic vessel to express their creativity, mm -hmm. it, it feels to me. And that mm -hmm. is changing the role of ceramic and tree to a degree where the ceramic is now executing that creativity. And that's really where all three of your work has, has elevated my level of bonsai. To work with it means that I have to rise to that occasion. Wow. You know, and that's a really beautiful challenge, I think. Wow. Yeah, that's a nice thing to say. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It's, been, it's been a wonderful exercise for me. Yeah. You know, and Ron Lang started this process for me uh, and, and, and really sort of tracked along with what the three of you are talking about in terms of finding his identity and, and, yeah. and how does he make pots and there's a financial limitation. And coming back from Japan, my challenge to Ron is if we take financial limitations off of the table, what can you make? And he said, oh, that's, yeah. that pot's going to be unaffordable. And I said, well, you just name your price. Let's do it. I want to see what you can do. You know, and that changed, it changed, I think it changed a lot yeah. about um, Ron's work. And I think he started to lead the charge, at least in North America, for the ceramic vessel not having a lid or a, a glass ceiling of sorts or a limitation mm -hmm. and the, you know and it and and i think europe was already hip to that because there was a dan barton you know <laughs> and there and there was a peter krebs and there were these people that were already pushing yeah. and mm -hmm. creating on yeah. a level that was just different than the traditional model yeah. that's the way i saw it anyways mm -hmm. yeah. you know yeah so it's certainly it's certainly and and coming back to seeing your work on tony tickle's table you know and meeting you and then seeing just this this manifestation of this sort of Scandinavian body of work at the national show, which was so foreign to the North American community. Everybody going, 
is that okay for us to like that? You know, like, Ryan, what do you think? And it's like, I, I don't know what to think about it either. I mean, it really took me a lot of time to acclimate to your work. Yeah. But now it's like, I can't get enough. I can't, put an, an, I, I can't put a more radical tree in it fast enough to find the boundaries of, of your ceramics. And I mean, you know, that's really been an exercise with, with, with your work too, Andy, is like playing with this delicacy in this, in this color palette and, and the, these forms that have this meshing of tradition and then this, you know, formality. And like you said, the engineering structure, mm. what tree goes into that mm. structure, what tree goes into your architecture, what tree goes into your um, sort of mysticism that surrounds mm. your pots. It's like really a, a dynamic relationship that we can now create between tree and container that that was not that, that was not immediately available to japanese artists you know yeah true david had a question how can you incorporate rock features into ceramic pots check out the mirai edition when it comes out yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're about ready to see a lot of that just keep teasing this yeah. <laughs> This is the best answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you, you'll, you'll see. see. Coming, coming soon. Coming soon. Coming soon. Uh, Kyle, actually, quite a few people are asking if uh, Tom uh, will ever make a new Benda bridge pot. I'm not sure if Tom, uh, yes. if Tom is familiar with the, uh, the, the significant following of the Benda bridge. Yeah, this became a, a thing of legend and lore. The actual, the uh -huh. actual bridge, right, where you cut out the whole bottom of, because we yeah. start, you started yeah, with the 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 one that's under the bald cypress, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. That was the first, and then yeah, it just maybe. kept evolving. Yeah. Well, it was the first that I saw. Yeah, maybe there's more. Yeah, for sure, I'm gonna make some more. Uh, I recently saw the uh, things I used to make the one you mentioned, and I said, ah, that was quite small. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to make a bigger one for sure. And I still have some uh, project for my own uh, forest that I want to just replant on a uh, pot like this. So definitely I'm back onto it for sure some day in future. I will have some tough time in uh, <laughs> near uh, years. But uh, yeah, there will be. When the mood strikes, huh? Yeah. The day will come. And then Matthew asked, do you guys have a Triscally chop? And I think you could also maybe tease another chop that's happening right now. Not just chop. What, what? We also have the, this. The other stamp. Yeah, the, the other stamp. We also have this. This is Triscally. Ah. Ooh. Ooh. ah, you can't see the. Oh, oh Lonnie's going to come in tight. Nice. Uh -huh. Nice, interesting. Oh, because yeah, it, it mimics the sign we have, yeah, and yeah. of but course, yeah. In, in answer to the question, there is a a, a Triscally chop or a stamp mm. that we use on the pots. Um, we can talk a bit about the the stamping actually. That when we yeah. do the Triscally, because we I put my my personal chop on the pots I made. Can you, can you show everybody that? Just hold your finger there. Yeah. The phantom. That is yeah. That's yeah. that's that's his chop. That's how he puts it on his pots, which I think is so gangster. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I stamp I stamp the pot that I've done, and then uh, we stamp it with the triscular chop, and then we, now we also stamp with the mirai, especially yeah. for we have made the chop especially for this edition. I saw it on a pot today, and it almost brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Yeah. 
So there's, there's a, yeah. a special stamp for this edition. Cool. Yeah. cool. Thank you very much for that. That was, that was really an honor to be a part of this project. Yeah, it's nice. David has another question, or maybe a different David. He says, if you had to choose another bonsai type of container or other ceramic to make, what would it be? Chowan, tea bowls. You know me. Hands down, teaware for me. It, it, it just ticks all my boxes. <laughs> um, but struggle to sort of make that sort of free form, but still, you know, I think it's a very personal thing, the cup that you pick up every single day yeah. to, to drink whatever you're going to drink out of it. Um, I just love the form and it's one of the most difficult forms to, to get right. Mm. But yeah, if I could change, that would be what it would is be. Is this like the discussion of the non-bond needing to be able to make a perfect circle to be able to make a, a good informal yeah. shape? That yeah. kind of a yeah, yeah, yeah. struggle there yeah. to make a, a tea bowl that is perfect in yeah. its imperfection. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Huh. What about you, Tom? Now I would go into something technical, structural. Um, I have somewhere back in my mind uh, this project. It would be the thing I would do would be more closer to stonemasonry. Like uh, I think about some bricks, very decorative, but they will still be. Uh, they, they will have that part where you could uh, incorporate the wood frame for the door. So I would build some cool. special ceramic frame around the door before the, you bring the door. Like uh, it will be very structural, like there, there will be a hole for uh, you can pull concrete in it or something, something like that. I still think about it. Or Oh, or just some, uh, you know, wash basin, how is it, a sink, a sink just, uh -huh. I, I wanted to make one for the building that's maybe going to be built here on Andy Johnson, uh, at Adam Johnson's property. I'm pretty sure he's still excited about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you want to make one for my house, we could do that too. <laughs> just, I'm just throwing it out there. Okay. I'm not, Super. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, if you want to. Yeah, yeah, it's just they have to find the right place and right time. <laughs> you have yeah. other things on your plate right now. Yeah, it's gonna be Tom's, tough. Yeah. Tom's built. Tom's built rebuilding a house in a studio, which is exciting. Congrats on that. What about you, uh, sculpture. I will go into sculpture. Mm. I do a little bit on the side. You know, just I like it. I like to create the, the yeah sculpture. Sculpture for sure. Mm. Yeah, that would be also a thing. I've also did, done a few sculpture things in my life before bonsai pottery. Mm -hmm. And since then, I always uh, uh, put uh, my dreams aside. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. my designs are also my dreams, but even the first task that, uh, that uh, every potter does for himself is like the own tea set mm -hmm. for, for a family. No, not yet. No, I've never done it either. But the sculptures, <laughs> yeah, they, they were figural, uh, it were busts, and uh, yeah, almost like, uh, they, they were not like real, it was some caricature, but maybe uh, that, that would be hmm. something to try again. And well. if you could uh, answer this question, what are your favorite glazes? That's for each of you. Oh, yeah. I have my uh, um, 
my crackle to quas. I like that a lot. It's uh, yeah, that's uh, and the oribe, the green. Uh, What's the crackle? What color is the crackle? Oh, turquoise. 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 Yeah, okay. Sort of. Uh, yeah, I sort of have found my favorite glazes, and then I use use other. I can even use commercial glazes I bought, you know, on cans, just to make little splashes of something because you always have to break beauty i think that i mean there's nothing more beautiful than than a than a sunset with a straight edge but when it comes to a seagull flying in or a boat flying in it becomes all of a sudden a harmony and uh, that's also why i want to break it's also the same when i make pots i want to break the, the perfection with with something that mm. and i do the same with glazes that i mix them a lot and, yeah Ironically, mine are the same as yours. I've got a, a nice sort of Arebe style sort of copper green that, that, that cracks up quite nicely um, and it's sort of reasonably translucent, which I love working with. Mm -hmm. A little bit unpredictable. Uh, and again, I've got a, like a standard turquoise that I can get so many variations from depending on what clay I put it on, where I put it in the kiln and how I apply it to the pot. Um, can I make a request? Yeah. More pink pots, baby. More pink pots? More pink pots. Okay. Yeah. That 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 rose blush yep. color yep. that you came up with, yep. that's really special. Okay, cool. That is yep. that is a really beautiful thing. Leave it with me. And, and 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 fascinating, you know, to think about that pastel pink and the number of trees that it would complement in okay. a fantastic way, and ultimately it just comes down to it's never existed before, so nobody knows cool. to be using it. But I'm going to tell you right now, people want it. Fine. Yeah. Okay. You found something special there. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it a go. I just love my uh, nickel yellow glaze. It just works so well now. It, it's been a struggle for years to really make it work, and it finally does, and I'm just super happy. What does and that mean? What does that mean? It's a struggle to make it work, and it finally does. You know how to use it. What's mm. what does that what does that look like? Uh, you know, there's some recipe, and it works for someone in 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 specific conditions. It's the type of clay. It's the type of firing, and the right location in the kiln. Yeah. yeah. Wood. Yeah. Yeah. Wood. yeah. Even yeah. even the type of wood can affect it mm. a lot. But so do you yeah. trade glazes too? I mean, we've talked about you exchange clay, but yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever taken? Tours glazes and wood fired them recipes. Uh, we, we, we have talked recipes. about uh -huh. that uh, a lot, yeah. Uh, because I would love to see my my glazes in a wood firing, but yeah, mm. well, that's something on the to do list for us. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we, yeah. Do, we sort of try and recipes. Yeah, as well. and he's he's he want to share everything. <laughs> he's like a. Ask me, ask me. <laughs> that's awesome. No, so, but yeah, you yeah. yeah, so great, great with that. I, yeah. I always use the analogy yeah. that. Everyone says, oh, no, I can't say that's a secret. It's a lot of rubbish. Cookbooks are out there for crying out loud to, to making <laughs> cakes and recipes. That's, that's a you strong give some, point. You can give somebody a recipe for a cake, and it's not going to come out like Delia Smith every time. It's, you know, your yeah. cake might be a complete and utter flop. Mm. But why not share things out? You know, it's going to be different for different people. They fire differently. They've got different clay bodies. Mm. Why not? Yeah. Share it out. True. Yeah. yeah. It's good to share. Basically, all the glazes that I ever preferred because it changed in time, those were the glazes that I developed myself, that I really struggled. 
because then you are so happy that it finally works that you just break uh, in and uh, find the balance of the recipe and that's very satisfying and are you gonna bring your uh, you gonna bring that burnt red back that burnt red glaze that you have that that really the, deep red you're gonna bring mm, that back anytime uh, yeah yeah i haven't seen and that in a while it doesn't work in because i also changed the uh, the firing process a little bit and this glaze doesn't work anymore <sighs> and i didn't get to it yet i still didn't start uh adjusting the glaze recipe to decent conditions but yeah i saw the bucket there with in last maybe two three years i haven't used it it's still sitting there and i'm still oh yeah next time next time next time yeah it's been too busy for uh, this glaze work how do you when you when you go into making a pot and and the clay the clay that you select is going to be, this clay is not going to be glazed. I'm going to make a pot that's unglazed. This clay needs a glaze. I'm going to make a pot that's glazed. What drives the decision to make a glazed versus an unglazed pot? Um, with me, it's uh, when I have a new design, I practice it with the clay that has to be glazed then because it's not looking well unglazed. So that's how i make my unglazed pots or my wife she makes uh, lots of bodies that later but then uh, when i test my new design then i just make it unglazed uh -huh. i just love to play uh, with a with the surface quality and quality of all the edges or, or the uh, corners where at least three or maybe even more lines uh, meet and I just love it. You said, you, you said glaze, glaze can cover up a lot of imperfections. Yeah, uh, yeah it can do. Yeah, I sort of, as I said to you the other day, for me, uh, a glazed pot is like um, a deciduous tree and leaf. You know, you can, you can, or if you've got a bit of a mark there in the clay, the glaze will, will cover it up, will hide it. Um, it's the same when the tree is in leaf, you, you, you won't, you see all the intricate structure and the ramification of the tree. Yet when that tree is in its autumn clothes and all the leaves have gone, you can see every cut, every nuance, every bend, where you position the branches. And it's the same with an unglazed pot. You can see it's naked. You can see every single mm. thing that's done to it. And you Finger can use that to your advantage either way. If you want to, the, you know, the pot to show all the marks that you put on it, they will become apparent. Or if you want it to be dead smooth and you know, straight as a die, you could say that too. I love that analogy. When you said that to me the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, you had me at hello. <laughs> I have a totally new appreciation. I mean, you know, studying with Mr. Kimura, unglazed containers were the abundance, you know, that, yeah. that he utilized. I mean, he had very few deciduous trees. He didn't have a lot of the traditional Japanese glazed containers or antique Chinese glazed containers. We didn't learn about glazed containers as apprentices to Mr. Kimura. And I never really thought about the fact that that the unglazed container showed showed all of the all of the marks of process. Mm. You said that to me like the first or second day you guys were here working, and I just thought, wow, that's that's really profound. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah my, my my theme. Um, I do unglazed themes in between my glazed themes, mm -hmm. so I don't take I don't take that. This if I want to make an unglazed pot or 
it's, then I put it aside and, and so it comes in another edition. But usually I have an, a glaze in mind. So you, sometimes a pot will be made when you're intending to make a glazed container that after it's made, you say, that's not going to be glazed. Yeah, under the process. When uh -huh. I sort of, okay, this is such a nice surface. I would really want this to show. And then uh -huh. I take another decision. Gotcha. But then also, the larger I go, the, the more I, 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 I let the, the, the glazes become more subtle or, or disappear. Uh, so larger pots for me are, um, are unglazed because... For some funny reason, a large pot that is glazed can take too much attention from the mm. tree. And the smaller you get, you can go really, I mean, I could go this on a small showing and it would actually just force the eye to go to the tree or, or you know. So you can go much more colors and glazes, the smaller the size. Mm. At least for me, that's the feeling, yeah. so mm. yeah. And this comes back to a question earlier. Are you trying to pull back the power of the pot? Are you guys trying to pull back? Are you trying to be humble? Are you ever trying to just just bludgeon somebody with your container? Just like, ah, take that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. No, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Since I work with you, I just do what I want. I've <laughs> <laughs> been a bad influence on you. It seems to be working just fine, huh? Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. I do too. I do too. The more the merrier. I feel like be bold, be bold, mm -hmm. especially because the Yamadori that is being worked with in Europe and North America is wild. It's mm -hmm. very, very wild. And I think particularly in North America, our Yamadori, my senpai Fujikawa uh, came over. I also, he, he and I went to Yosemite together. Um, but he said, if I just had to say one thing about the, the material that you're working with is it is uncontrollably wild mm. and from that perspective the bolder the container the more equal the, the material and container mm. becomes yeah. visually so yeah. you're right there has not been a visual limit to what a container can be which is mm. all of a sudden where a pink container feels perfectly acceptable to me okay. and in mm. fact desirable you know the okay. the sagebrush with that pastel blue mm. that the, uh, the pink container to hold that is like the perfect mat that's like nirvana mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as you guys are making and you say, listen, the bigger it is, the more subtle I want to be. And mm -hmm. I wonder, well, do you ever just flex your might in terms of a ceramicist and, and try to bowl somebody over with your work? Or is that not a thing? Yeah, I do that. But it also takes a lot of time to when you go into uh, ex experimenting and, and, and uh, discovering it's it's it takes it takes you away from from the other pots and sort of so I do that when I had know I have the time to maybe three or four days I can work on just one piece uh -huh. and I can go really crazy on it and putting heads on the corners with you know with the helmets and 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 you know a fighting scene is carved on the side and wide rim and, or tall feet yeah and just to to push it a little and and also uh, make make a piece of art more than making maybe a pot. Yeah, right. I think for me there's always that sort of if I did make a large pink pot, it, is it a viable product that somebody would buy? Well, it is now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But and I, and I and I sort of agree with thoughts. You're welcome. Exactly. If I'm you know, <laughs> if, if I made something that size and just went, you know, stuff it up. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. 
Um, I suppose there's that thing, you know, is it going to sit on the shelf? Is someone going to buy it? Is someone going to find it hard to put a tree in it? Um, like the question earlier on, is the, is the pot going to help shine the tree? So I suppose there's that, you, you make a range of ware that is, that's usable by a good 60, 75% of, of people that do bonsai. Sure. But every now and again, you just throw everything at a pot and just mm. go hell for leather. I think the artistic side's got to come out, whether that's yeah. sculptural, whether that's flowers, mushikui, whatever you want to do, just throw the whole thing at it and just yeah. see what it comes out like. Two containers that stick out in my mind that I uh, so regret selling, I can never take it back, but I but it's left a lasting imprint whenever I receive work from the three of you that I really think hard about. The cubistic, the large cubistic pot that you made. Uh -huh. uh, I should never have let that go in your Banksy accent pot. I should <laughs> never have let that go. Never get it back. You know, those, those pieces where you go, where you guys go out mm -hmm. and beyond, you know, those are once in a lifetime opportunities to capture that moment from you as mm -hmm. artists. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it, is, it is not missed on, on the community that is, that is tuning into this tonight. Right. Those moments where you embrace that opportunity, you spend that four days, there is a community here that definitely values that moment, you know. That's so, so yeah, yeah. and that's very inspiring to hear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I think the moment is now also. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. We've been yeah. talking about that a lot. Mm -hmm. It's been building to this mm -hmm. and it's going to continue to build after this. I think this project is going to have a major impact on the community mm -hmm. in, a, in a very mm -hmm. positive, you know, who knows how they, how this turns out, but certainly the work is going to speak for itself. I mean, it is fantastic what these gentlemen have made. It's, it is truly profound. So Chuck had a comment and a question. He said he finds the price range for modern bonsai pots is relatively narrow. The ceiling seems to be somewhere around $2,000. None typically approach the 10,000 to $15,000 Chinese antique Kawatari pots. Why or why not? Uh, get it perfectly. Basically, yeah, he's saying there's kind of a limit mm -hmm. to the price that people will pay oh, yeah. for a newly made uh, Western ceramic compared to the radical yes. price point of Koatari uh, anti-Chinese pots, mm -hmm. and and sort of why is that? I don't know. Perhaps it's because our pots have not sort of you know got into that same sort of category as the commentary pots. But then how much do you price art up at? You know, yeah. painters that do paintings and, and sell them for hundreds of thousands. There's somebody out there that's willing to pay for it. Yeah. There's somebody out there that's, that wants it. Um, and I think, I think we, sorry, go on, no, carry on. I just wanted to say a few words, like maybe it's just because we are still alive. <laughs> I actually think that has a lot to do yeah. with it, unfortunately. <laughs> I do, I really do, you know? Yeah. You know, he can still make some more for me or you, but yeah, once you're not there, the prices just go up. I think we sort of, for, just, for myself, I try and price, price the pots what I would be comfortable, if I could afford them, that I would buy mm. them at, you yeah. know? Um, and the time that it takes and the amount of... I think that people don't realise that there's so many different points that that pot can fail in the drying, the bisque firing, the glazing, the final glazing. You know, if you drop it or you knock it against something else, you've just lost all of those hours of work. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the pricing is relative for the, um, for the pots that, that we make. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, how many pots are there out there? It comes collectible. It's like all stuff that are collectibles. I mean, the prices go crazy. People paying for Pokemon cards, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
But when I set my prices, I let the, the, the buyer decide. So if when I release my pots, if they all go boom, then I raise the prices a little bit so everyone get a shot at it until mm -hmm. there's more like a... Because I also want people to be able to, to, to read about it because I write about every pot and, and, and sort of my what was my idea and why did I do it and, and all the measurements and everything. So the prices go after the demand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's the bias demand. Well, I mean, you got you to gotta be the first on your website in the releases to get the ones that you want because they go. They go. They go. Yeah. And yeah. it works. And they're unique. Yeah. They're, they're one-offs. Mm. You know, even you may make something in the same style. They're not duplicated. They're not cast from molds. Yeah. They're not made mm. in molds. They're all handmade individual pieces with a voice of their own. That's the beauty of mm. it, though. Yeah. 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 Quick one for Tom. Uh, Marianne asks, what tree do you think of for your yellow glaze? Birch. Ooh. Or. Birch, oh. final answer. Pardon? Birch is your final answer. That was the first, that was the first I, I saw, like, uh, I, I had in my mind the, the one that sits here on the top uh, shelf. And uh, when I was thinking about that pot, you know, I really didn't want to sell that one. It's just extraordinary piece. And uh, I had a birch for it. And I was just looking forward to see the white trunk because it already has this white, uh, white uh, bark and, uh, and the golden leaves in autumn. I just wanted to see that. So saw, that see that's the... why I just shoot out this first and then there are so many trees, you know, uh, here in Mirai Garden, you can see glazed pots used with junipers yeah. and mm. and it's just beautiful. I, I've seen, uh, it's not far from uh, the gate here, you know, from the barn, there's a juniper and horse hindsliders uh, pot that has many different colors. Okay, yeah, it's glazed one. And it's just so wonderful. I, I see the juniper somewhere in, uh, in a, uh, at the edge of a uh, forest with some meadow in, fr in front of it. And yeah, why not? I think that's so what, what we get back as well. It, it's just hard to say. Uh, I, I, I really don't like to work like this. Uh, like you have to say exactly this or that. Mm. I just offer this to the world to play with it. Or that, that, that's the, uh, that's how I take it since I work with you. Yeah. Because you did it for myself, like, hey, this is how I can use it. And I always admired it. And since then I, I have this artistic freedom, like, I'm sure it's always going to find the right tree. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what what, what Tom, with Tom says is with people trying different things with, you know, crossing the boundaries and putting a glazed pot with a, a, a coniferous tree, it, it it sparks up us and we're like, I've never seen that done before. And mm -hmm. then we're like, well, why don't we try this or why mm -hmm. don't we try? It? So it, it it broadens our sort of horizons in in the pot making world cool. to try something different with with a different tree in mind. And, and basically, going back to the original question, 
there are so many species of the trees, tropical hardleaf, uh, like I can name just buxus, for example. Sure, buxus, yeah, boxwood, yep. That would fit well with this uh, glaze. Uh, but yeah, there are so many species that I don't know. So the other one I would name is the buxus or myrtle or some of the Mediterranean oaks. I was, I was yeah, quite happy to put a larch in, in you know, the smaller yeah, of the two. would be low, And I can't wait for the low. fall color. I can't wait yeah. for the fall color with that container because you're going to have a real, something really special. This is like where the deciduous conifer. I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm holding on. I'm holding on. But this is where like the deciduous conifer, like where does this Satsuki azalea started to be, you know, more favorably utilized with unglazed containers in Japan, mm -hmm. especially gyozon containers specifically. Why? I don't know. I don't know why that became a trend. Why did they, yeah. you know, why did, why did Japanese bonsai community grow thousands and thousands of cork bark black pine? And then when they fell out of favor, they bulldozed all those. I don't know, you know, and when you start to think about why have deciduous conifers, because they quantify as a conifer historically been utilized in a in an unglazed container i don't know because a deciduous conifer turns color and shows seasonality like a deciduous you know and that's all of a sudden now now lyrics larch for me fits better in a in a glazed container because you have so many more moments you know and then there's that one that maybe fits better in an unglazed container because of its character because of its nature i think about the cascading native north american larch that was sitting in a stone monkey container you know the beautiful red with the green I mean, it was right. The shape was right. The combination was right. The architecture was right. But it's like the, finding that freedom. And that's where, you know, having the ceramic, having the ceramic character that we have available to us based on the personalities of each of the ceramicists. And I think the three of you saying we are so different mm -hmm. and you could not be more correct. And without that difference, it would be an absolute tragedy. Yep. Because to have a homogenous approach to the ceramic vessel, which I do think has dominated the Japanese model, is, a, is what causes sort of this baseline expectation to exist and everybody has to function at that or it isn't viable to make a living doing that. We, you know, the ceramic artist in the Western world currently in bonsai is empowered to be creative. And that's where there are things that are happening that I think even the Japanese bonsai community is paying attention to because mm. it's, rad it's radically different. Mm. That freedom is, mm. is, being, is being sought out now. And that, that is really re rewarding to see the influence of ceramic artists in Europe and North America really starting to open the door for an expansion of the art form of bonsai as, as it exists in Japan. This is the beautiful collaboration of an international art form now. Mm -hmm. It's changing everything. Yeah. And you guys are at the forefront of that, you know? Mm -hmm. That's that's really special. I don't mm -hmm. think that people quite, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to have Torhol Villa and Andy Pearson and Tom Bendat, Mariah, and it's like, oh, that's great. You guys all must know each other. It's like, no, 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 I don't think you quite understand you know, that, that, that there is a movement in the bonsai world on an international level that is being influenced by these ceramicists. You know, they have influenced the approach of bonsai styling and the quality at Mirai, but they're also informing the international bonsai community in terms of their work, you know, your guys' work having a major impact even on Japanese bonsai. That's profound to me because it's going back That's to the motherland with a new approach and interpretation that you've obviously graciously and humbly accepted and pursued and respected the tradition and you've applied your own character culture and mm -hmm. your own new nuance of tradition and people are saying yeah yes mm -hmm. yes 
Badass. Awesome. Let's do that. Yeah. It's cool, man. I, I mean, I am so into it. It's very, very uh, enjoyable at this point. And this is where you keep saying, I think the time is now. Mm-hmm. It, it is now. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. So tying into that inspiration that I think a lot of people in the Western world have with your work, what percentage would you estimate your work to be uh, commission-based versus um, you know, uncommissioned work? I think that's an easy question for me. Um, it, with, with commission, you've just got the customer would like this. Obviously, they've got to like your style of work in the first place to commission the pot. Um, but as, as a ceramic, you are you the, the customer wants a specific size, a specific shape, a specific style. That's fine. But for me, I'd always go for the uncommissioned because you can just do whatever you want. Yeah, mm. you just got complete artistic license. And that's not saying I don't want commissions. You know, welcome commissions. But you know, between the two, if I had to pick, it'd be yeah. No commissions because mm-hmm. you do what you want. And what what general percentage I think was part of the? One oh, sorry, the general percentage. Uh, most probably sixty percent do what I want and forty percent commission. So I do like maximum five percent commission or less. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure uh, which Don't words I can use here, you. but commissions are pain in the. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Because. Yeah, I, I, I do just the ones that I'm really interested in or for people that I really do know, like do know. Mm. Yeah, because I know that we really understand each other well, but you know, then it happens like every second month that there's someone writing you like, I want you to make this for me. And I say, this, it, it's absolutely not me. So why you want it? from me mm. yeah mm. like go for the other guy who made it and mm. or, uh, th- that's the worst type of but you're a ceramicist you should be able to make that right yeah, yeah that's but, tough huh but i know where this always ends and i can continue then then we start to write emails and you write 30 emails for and forward and mm. it's it, it it never works well in the end but on, on the opposite side, I can make a, a commission for a friend. And sometimes I even offer like two or three options because he can choose the best mm-hmm. one and the other two goes to you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm upset by that. I'll take them. Yeah. I'll take them. You and, know, and there have been commissions that even encouraged me for some uh, new design. Like yeah. I said, I, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is yeah. really... Like, yeah, I have to be really interested in it. Yeah, I do. I think I have like 20% commissions, actually. But I don't make more than 20, 25 pots each month. But uh, I kind of like it because it pushes your, your... You have to you have to invent new tools. You have to invent new technique. Okay. Yeah. And I don't think like, okay, I'm a slab builder. I don't do molds. I don't do that. I don't. I'm looking at this is what I want to do. How can I make it? Okay, I I make it by cardboard. Cardboard. Yeah. If I, or if can I can I use uh, something else? You know, to to how am I going to flip it? And I see it as a possibility to go further. And then you 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 earn a new knowledge, and you can add that to your. And some of my designs are commissions that just the tree just triggered it. Wow. Mm. I want to do a pot for that. Yeah. And that line can come here or I can I can balance that by doing like ah okay 
that's so oh, commissions are are important and but then of course if someone writes you like okay i want this size this color with attached photos and everything no you this anyone can do this or you can go to the person as you said who made it mm -hmm. you know this is not me and uh, it's uh, but yeah you have to be humble also because many people are a bit nervous when they make a commission they 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 think that they have to tell me everything uh, like, okay, I know this and I want this and I want that. But I say like, show me the tree, show me the tree. Okay, we got three options here. We can go, woo, or we can go, uh, and we can just go a little bit in between. And usually I just make three sketches for the customer and he looks at it and he's like, okay, I want to go in that direction. Okay, here comes another two sketches. Oh, I want that one. And okay, and then usually it's not that 30 males, it's just five or six, but that's... Mm -hmm. Maybe I, maybe, yeah, I kind of I like it and hate it at the same time because they are hanging there behind you on the wall like, oh, I don't want to do that one. Yeah. I'd rather do this. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to play. That's great. So they get a little bit delayed, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And, and the just, other uh, thing is the, the, you know, when you work on demand and you have to meet the right dimensions that the customer is mm, asking, mm. it's, Completely different from when you start, really. When I work with my designs that are sometimes very complicated, it's not so hard to uh, work on them. If I just start freely and let everything match to a nice uh, visual, aesthetical balance. But if I work on demand, demand then I have to count so much Every part, like thinking about mm -hmm. every angle, how, how shorter is it here? Mm -hmm. And uh, it takes so much time. And but that's also because and of then, your style. Okay, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I, I can do it, but then I ask the price for it. And mm -hmm. that's the thing that uh, not many customers accept it in the end. And it's yeah. hard to explain them. It is really harder, a commission mm -hmm. pot. Even if it's a design that are perfectly you known, but still, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, so, there yeah. are just problems with commissions yeah. all the time. Yeah. But I think your style also. I mean, you have to calculate everything, mm. sort of. Oh, where how if this piece? Like this. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's so much. It's a totally different thing, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be challenging, wouldn't it? If I just start the other way, like okay, I make something larger, something 60, 70 ish. I do that slab in those dimensions and I just continue working yeah. but it has to be absolutely accurate then it's absolutely different yeah yeah story interesting and then shifting gears a little bit there's a few questions I know we touched on this as a as a topic kind of idea some of the advice you might give to beginning potters who were looking to make bonsai pots and that was from Marianne and also uh, Rafi Learn, learn how to use clay first. Learn what it does, what you can do with it, how it performs, the drying process, um, you know, when you can work on it, when you can't. There's so many factors, but if you are dead set on doing ceramics, you've just got to just go for it and practice, practice, practice. Mm. Fail is inevitable. You're going to fail. And if you don't fail, then you're not going to succeed. You've just got to keep going <coughs> at it. Um, if you're passionate about it, you'll stick with it. Mm. If, if, if not, then that's it, find another hobby. Yeah, and I would say, go to a night class, you know, yeah, take lessons, class, yeah. uh, 
pottery is pottery. We use the same techniques. It's the same sort of, there's a few things you need to know about the pot, but the bonsai pot, but otherwise it's, it is the same um, craft as, as all ceramics. So just take a class, learn about how does glazes work. I mean, this is chemistry all of a yeah. sudden and, and you know, what kind of, learn everything you can and, and then start to make pots for yourself or as you, you would like them. Uh, of course, copying pots is good, you know, like being in a cover band and all of a sudden playing like Jimi Hendrix is super cool, but you will come to a point when you would think that, ah, I want to do my own stuff. It's going to come sooner or later mm -hmm. and try to get on that wagon as yeah. soon as possible. Uh, that's what I was yeah. Or just start with basics, uh, maybe even without uh, some night school. Lasagna dish. Lasagna dish, lasagna yeah. Dish. That's a good place. A lasagna dish. Yeah, yeah. Or try to slab it or coil it or mm. pitch it and and go for another and another and try an oval and another and just don't skip it or okay skip uh, skip it sometime for your play uh, play with the clay always like if you have some time or let yourself go with a little something in your hand and try the tools what they can offer you and uh, yeah but then practice practice yeah. practice practice mm. practice yeah. because Something you know uh, you, you have to you have to have these basics so uh, your eyes and your brain are ready for the next step because they will not need so much energy to focus on the basics that a lot of a lot of beginners make these uh, faults uh, in uh, their early stages that they try to skip everything you have to own the basics and then becomes uh, then comes something that becomes your own yeah. really yeah. own mm. Mm. But you have to own it from the beginning. That's it. There's an interesting corollary there to bonsai in general, right? Because I think like there's like this movement to sort of buck tradition, which, you know, I do feel a certain degree of accountability for, for, for pushing this representation of nature and talking about traditional, you know, as a, as a patternized approach. But it's, you know, still at Mirai, the traditional form of the bonsai, the orthodox form is, is, is how I continue to keep my blade sharp. You know, I mean, mm. I, I execute orthodox design constantly. It was Mr. Kimura's favorite body of design was the orthodox form. And yet he was, he's known as maybe, you know, one of the most prominent avant-garde bonsai mm. artists of, you know, all time. Mm. And so you think like, how does Mr. Kimura work himself into that kind of creativity? He, he like you said, owns the fundamentals mm. and through that is able to innovate. And mm. I would imagine that ceramics would be the same. Exactly mm. the same. Because exactly to, the same. to start out throwing a non-bond yeah. It's probably, mm. I'm, I don't know, I'm not a ceramicist, but I'm assuming that's not the way to begin. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't have to make a perfect circle because I can make this look sloppy and it's art now. And it's mm. like, oh man, yeah. I don't know if that's, there are not a lot of people that are, you know, starting out making, you know, splatter paintings and calling themselves Jackson Pollock. It just isn't, <laughs> that's not the way that yeah. it works, yeah. right? It's fundamentals first yeah. on anything, yeah. 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 on any, 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 if, if it's driving a car, playing a musical instrument, 
you know, mm. anything like that. It's just learn the fundamentals. Mm. And, and, and then I think Thor's uh, idea is a, a really good idea of finding a local class or a local, yeah. you know, studio mm. that, that you can start doing evening classes in. And then you can just, because they're being a wealth of knowledge, and they can start mm. showing you how it works and what mm. to do in the fundamentals. And yeah. they have a kiln. They from there. And they'll have because Sure, they, they have everything, yeah. probably. Yeah. 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 But the kiln is a big problem because... Uh, it's expensive, it's big, it releases gases, it raises the bill, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. Uh, it consumes I, yeah. resources. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 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 finding a place where you can fire uh, yeah. Yeah, it helps. Uh, and where there may be all glazes already, you can test, you can pay per a small sum to use someone else's or the community's glazes and mm. find find out there's so much knowledge among the, the ceramists out there. So uh, and and like you said, I mean the basics. Of course, the kiln the kiln is hard on you. If you if you if you don't know your stuff, it's yeah. it's gonna show. It's gonna There's a lot of learning mm. curves. Yeah, yeah. Firing, glazing, mm. making. Yeah, yeah. Lots of. Yeah, and you there. guys answered Kevin Ferris's question about uh, the idea of taking classes to start out. He also had a question about how long did it take each of you to get a good standing point for your knowledge of clay, or someone who was just starting out. What would that mm. look like? We're still learning now. Yeah. 20 yeah. odd years later, still learning now. And Matthias Ramondi has been making pots, bonsai pots for one and a half year. No, 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 sorry. Uh, how long is it? Two I don't know. I don't know. Be before he. Yeah, like, I, anyway, yeah, I mean, this it depends on your skill and your feeling and, and everything, but uh, I would say that your fingers are your. your, your uh, what's it? You, you gotta get it in your fingers. You you must be able to close your eyes and feel the shape and 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 feel the how the thickness and and uh, you know getting to know the clay. It's uh, it takes different. But for me, I was an apprentice to a to a to a ceramist for two years and and uh, and she kept on like a good teacher can do. She stopped me from 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 going all the time and she kept me back. You know so I. I developed slowly and that was good for me, but she was a good teacher, so, yeah. But you will find out uh, when you sit down with the clay that, yeah. yeah how, how and people develop yeah. at different rates. Mm. You know, mm. some pick it up quicker than others. Yeah. Some yeah. take, yeah. you know, longer than others. Mm. Um, it's the same with, with anything you do, really. It's, you know, the more you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. Yeah. Um, and if you develop quickly, then fantastic. You're sort of cutting out all the 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 crappy mm. pots that you've yeah. sort of made in the past. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't think there's an answer really, to be honest with you. Uh, how many, I can't show a man and say at year 10, I was proficient at this, at year 12, I was proficient at this. It's just, um, but you, I, you're always critiquing your own work. Your, your best pot is always going to be the next one you make. Make that one, that's it. I don't want to look at it anymore, it's gone. Concentrate mm. on the next one. It's, um, yeah, it's a funny, you always want to strive to be better than what you're doing. So I suppose you never reach that point where you are, I don't know, completely happy and confident. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. we're all in a happy place with and what we do, but you're still looking for that holy grail, that next thing, the next idea, the next part, the next creation. Yeah, and I would like to add that don't keep your stuff on the shelves reminding you that they haven't found their owner or or that, you know, mm. keep maybe say one piece or two, but but the pot is energy invested and it should be moving energy should be moving it shouldn't stay still so it has to find its owner and if it doesn't if it's bad break it throw it away or stash it in a banana box and up in the <laughs> attic or whatever but don't keep it in your 
I would but say. Remember, we, we were talking about this, you know, that the worst puts self so easily and usually yeah. the first are good. Yeah. The worst. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Oh, this is not going to sell. I'm, I'm taking this out of the... What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting. Mm. Huh. We've got one other question about kind of the process to get started in this. And Treebeard Steve asked, he says, next month I'm taking a pot making workshop with Bonsai Potter Byron Myrick. What basic advice would you give to a rank beginner going into such a workshop? Uh, you're going to start with the basics of how to make a pot, whether that's um, with a, a slab of clay and a coil or a simple pinch pot. Um, I, I don't keep it so keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. Don't be so ambitious. Yeah, yeah, don't go buy it. You know what yeah. I'm going to use. Try use a stick and a, and a roller and, and a few tools you find there. Maybe some cutlery, like yeah, yeah. But uh, keep it simple and maybe don't get on the throwing wheel the first day. No, and don't have great expectations on yeah. your first lesson. Mm. Just yeah. just just go with the flow. I think. Mm. Mm. Um, don't go expecting to make a massive great pot in the first day. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it'll come, but yeah, just with but, time. But you're already going to start, and that's the most important yeah. thing, just to start <laughs> one day, because there are so many people just dreaming about it, talking about it, but they never start. So yeah. you're going to start, that's, that's just great. So yeah, build your, your passion will build more, or if not, you, you're just going to leave it. And uh, maybe we already have some patience. If not, it will build. Yeah. If it won't, mm. then you also leave yeah. the field of uh, bonsai pottery. But I think these these things, these three things I've just mentioned, are from my point of view are the most important because the 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 other things are they, they just come or you have to do it. You mm. you learn the basics. Mm. And with them, you are on a good start because yeah. all, all what's like the next and next level, it's just the next day, next week or ne next weekend. If it's your hobby that you do just on weekend mm -hmm. or something, uh, it's combinations or slight improvements of what you already know. And mm. you're only going to get better from day one. You just progress. Mm. You know, the rate of progression may be different so to other congratulations people. Congratulations on the start. Yeah. That's the most mm. important. First step's the best one. I think. Previous Steve, you got some mad love from some serious ceramicists. Good job. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right, well, we got to wrap this up. We've been at this for two and a half hours. Yeah, definitely. Wow. wow. And, and uh, just final comment from uh, the chat. Just thanks, everybody, for all the positivity and, and so many uh, great comments on your on all of your work from everybody that was uh, oh, thank you. Thank so you. I really, really appreciate that on behalf of everybody. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks for making the time. We, we have uh, we've officially ground the Triscoli uh potters down to a, a a stubby nub but there will be more information about the release of this uh body of work and and how everything turns out and trust me as mariah does we've been uh documenting a lot of the process so uh so you can all look forward to it but um yeah just a huge round of applause and a, and a, and a big debt of gratitude to you guys for coming thank you yeah. appreciate it thank yeah. you, it's been really a pleasure and again thank you too ah, yeah thank you. It's, it's been monumental it's been it's been our pleasure yeah. it's absolutely been our pleasure all right all right we're out of here we love you guys have a good night <laughs>